Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is the fourth of our single format one platform specials and this time we're going to talk about the original often known as the OG Xbox these days because everyone on the internet is cool except us. Anyway, uh, canerince.com is the place to go for the regular show and everything else we do. You can also support us and get these shows three months earlier. In fact, if you're listening to this in April, May, June, in the summer, (laughs) there's already another one of these out. You could have listened to this uh, ages ago and you can listen to that one now by subscribing to our Patreon for just a dollar a month. Currently 76 pence, under 0.9 of a euro. Who knows what the rate of exchange will be by the time you're hearing this, though. Uh, yeah, and you support us and you get these three months early. You get the regular weekly podcast a week early, in fact, and often extended as well. And you get an exclusive bonus monthly cast as well. Patreon.com slash Rinse, as I say. You can also just uh, give us a tip, if you like, uh, a financial one at PayPal. There's a button on the homepage. We also have other podcasts, three other podcasts now, in fact. On Wednesdays, we have Sound of Play, which is our video games music show. On Thursday, we have Ryan and Ryan Q&H on Playwright, that's W-R-I-T, talking about new game ideas, coming up with new concepts, new ways to play. And on Fridays, we have Chris O'Regan's long-running Sausage Factory, which is where he doesn't actually integrate with sausages in any way. He interviews developers. Subscribe, review and rate to all of our podcasts. They're all good and it like makes up a whole collection that you can enjoy. Part of a package. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And we thank you for your engagement. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this Xbox show are Carl Moon. Hey guys. Mikhail Croder. Hello. And Tony Atkins. Hello. Welcome, everybody. So, yes, these are often a nice trip down Nostalgia Lane. Uh, It's an all-European panel on this American console show. (laughs) I read earlier that it was, in fact, the first American-made console for six years uh, when it came out. Or, well, seven years since the launch of the previous one, which was... Anybody? Can you work it out? The 3DO? Nope. The Jaguar? Atari yeah. Jaguar? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Right. <laughs> the not 64-bit yeah. Atari Jaguar, <laughs> uh, which which ran for, uh, lasted from, what, 94 to 96 before it was canned, had an even shorter life than yeah. this one we're talking about today. You might even uh, say that it's the first uh, Western-made console that had a serious market foothold since the Atari 2600. Yeah, good point. Yes. I thought you were making a fur first a joke about fur like a jaguar but i'm glad you didn't that would have been terrible no, no. that's uh, more james's mo yeah that's true that's true yeah. uh ben blaster from the forum says i got my xbox at the age of 11 imagine that folks i had gathered together all my ps2 games console controllers the lot all because i needed that one game that game was halo when everything was tallied up, my PS2 and games was enough to get me the Xbox, two controllers, and of course, a copy of Halo. That was all I needed. What followed were countless hours of Halo multiplayer with my friends, and then with the arrival of Halo 2, countless hours of online multiplayer. There were, of course, quite a number of fantastic single player games, Knights of the Old Republic and Fable, to name but two, 
But for me, playing Halo 2 with people all across the world was simply magic. My word, I loved my Xbox to bits. Obviously, Halo is going to get a few mentions in that series. As always in these format specials, we'll talk about some of the key titles. Please don't tell us that we forgot to mention game X, Y or Z because we know we're not going to mention every game that was released on the Xbox during its uh, five-year life or whatever it was. Actually, it was slightly longer. It's like a but, thousand um, games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yes, um, we're sorry now if we don't mention... If your favourite was Outlaw Volleyball, there you go, I've said it. Uh, the <laughs> console was released in North America first, as it was an American thing, in November. 2001 uh, Japan actually got it next before Australia and Europe on February uh, 22nd 2002 and then just a few weeks later March the PAL versions arrived uh, and it was yeah it was uh, it was an exciting time we'd only just had the GameCube launch as I recall in in the EU um, I think that GameCube launched a little bit later than the original Xbox Oh, okay. Was it that way around? Yeah. I forget because I bought my GameCube first because mm. I got that on launch. It yeah. was an expensive time to be a gamer, wasn't it? Because mm. the Dreamcast was <laughs> well true. The Dreamcast was still just about uh, having a few late releases yeah. at this point. The PS2 was obviously the number one console and remained that way for quite a few years to come. So, if you were a multi-format gamer, this was. Not uh, not a cheap time. It just so happened to be the time that I got my first credit card. N coincidence or not? And long <laughs> live the life of debt <laughs> thereafter. And yes, it's pretty much been that ever since. Female Pheromones from the forum has some memories of this time. I was only 12, 13 when the Xbox launched and I don't think I even knew what one was before a friend of mine got one instead of a PS2. I thought he was insane. Why would you not get a PS2? That was until he showed me Halo, and I was absolutely blown away. Not only could you play the whole game split-screen, but you could also play the multiplayer mode and battle against each other. The closest I had come to this was Time Splitters on the PS2, which I struggled with at the time because it seemed so fast-paced and, cha and chaotic, whereas Halo was much more open, and you could really take your time to think about what you were doing. Pretty quickly, I told my parents I needed an Xbox, and asked if they would buy me... Uh, which obviously they didn't because they got me a PS2 not that long ago. Now at the time, I'm sure I thought something along the lines of, but they're two different things. Looking back at it now, my parents were probably thinking that, no, I already had a games console and that's enough, which, to be honest, I can't really blame them for. I realised the only way to get myself an Xbox was to save up the small amount of pocket money I was getting at the time. I can't remember when I started saving, but I know I ended up having enough to buy the console in December 2003, and so my Christmas seemed to come slightly early. I can remember looking around different shops and seeing which had the best value for money in terms of which games were bundles bundled with the console. I ended up buying it from Toys R Us, because their console game came bundled with an extra controller and five different games. Five! Needless to say, the only game I really wanted, though, was Halo, so as I actually had been so careful and saved up my own money, my parents bought me Halo for Christmas. I can't really remember playing much on that console other than Halo. I would play through the whole campaign over and over in split screen with my brother and then having what seemed like epic sessions on multiplayer whenever we had friends come to visit. Usually there were more than four of us, so we used to play it so that whoever got the least amount of kills in a game had to pass the controller. 
to whoever had missed out on the last round. As I still had a PS2, and so did a lot of my friends, I tended to play most other games on that system, as being a school kid, I couldn't just go and buy any game that released and would only get two games a year, birthday and Christmas. So we used to all trade games with each other. During that whole generation, none of my friends went on to own an Xbox. They didn't see the point as they could play most games on their PS2s and play Halo at my house. In the end, I loved the Xbox so much that when the next generation rolled around, I didn't even consider getting a PS3 and asked for a 360 that first Christmas. Memories. Uh, launch prices. <laughs> yeah. North America, it was $299, which uh, adjusted for inflation is $430, which makes it, what, about the same price as an Xbox One X now? Similar uh, £300 in the EU when it launched, £480 adjusted for inflation. So it wasn't cheap. Uh, the yen price was 34800 In its lifetime, it sold £16 million in North America, a less impressive £6 million in Europe, and a rather paltry £2 million in Asia uh, and Oceania, I think, as well. So £24 million, but it did have its life curtailed, sort of artificially short, as Microsoft, of course, wanted to jump the gun and get the... Uh, get the lead in the next generation but that's a story for another time i think it's strange isn't it when you look at the mm. figures because we've almost been led to believe through a uh, media tattletale and commenters and social media that mm. it wouldn't have sold anywhere near that much until you actually look at the like the total it's um to sell nearly 25 million or quarter of a billion is a uh, not bad not i suppose it... that's a, that's not right is it no, but uh, it's, it, no, it's still it's it's relatively healthy. Um, but yeah. it was always in the shadow of the PS2, which obviously had already seen off the upstart Dreamcast, which arrived yeah. earlier. Um, and then the PS2 went on to sell more than any other console ever at that it, point. I think. Yeah, I mean, it has to be said it's releasing into a, a crowded marketplace at that point because I do remember the GameCube. I remember the GameCube um, advertising being really quite strong in Europe. Obviously, yeah. Nintendo was a a player, a, you know, a massive player in, in this territory, and yeah, it was. And you have to remember what who Microsoft was and what they were trying to do, which is you know thrust themselves into an industry which many people thought they had no right in being in. So actually, mm -hmm. when you look at that, you say twenty four million, you know, for a for a start, almost a startup. I know it's Microsoft, but at that time, you know, it led on to you know the three sixty, which you know, dominated the industry for a very long time thereafter. So for me, I don't think that's terrible sales. I think it's, you know, they hadn't maybe cut its life so short. <laughs> it might have gone on to do a bit more. But, yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. in the marketplace that it was releasing, I thought that's not bad. Yeah, I've always understood that the original Xbox uh, ended up second place uh, for the, the three main consoles that generation, if you mm -hmm. if you don't consider the, the Dreamcast in there. Carl, do you remember the purchase, the unboxing? How much did you spend? Did your dad spend it for you? And so on and so forth. <laughs> I feel like a pattern's been born here, Leon, over all these years. Well, um, you know. And you'd be right. So yeah, That's <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, we're, we're just jealous. Yeah. Day one, uh, got an Xbox. My dad picked me one up. It was like a very, very exciting time. I don't even remember where sort of my real desire to have an Xbox came from. Other than Halo looked incredible. Um, and I remember 
I, th I think one of the actual defining factors was remember the TV show Bits. Yes, of course. It was the yes, one yes, with yes. Uh, all female led, um, very hyper sexy and stuff, but was actually the only one that talked about games like an adult thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And they reviewed Halo on it, and they spent a really long time going through it. And the the thing that sold me was the AI. They kept saying that the AI is really smart in Halo, which is obviously something that we've repeated ourselves. And I remember just talking to my dad, and I mean, I was 17 at the time, but um, I remember just saying, oh, like, this is ridiculous. Like, look how, just look how good it looks. <laughs> and I think, you know, he kind of bought into that, and I, I ended up with um, a, an Xbox and a copy of Halo, um, an extra Duke controller, as you do, um, for uh, the sort of the full price. Um, hence why I ended up getting an additional controller and two games. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it's sort of a, a really surreal time. And I don't, in the strangest way, I don't remember the day of getting it that strongly, but I remember going into college the next day where I had a Photoshop lesson. Um, and I remember my teacher at the time, uh, it was called Mike Nifton, and I knew he was into games. And he just loosely asked the whole classroom, he said, I don't suppose anyone here got an Xbox yesterday, did they? And I, I was the only one to put my hand up. And that was it. We just chatted for the rest of the lesson. And that's how I remember that I got it straight away. Um, and it, it was kind of weird to just be like, it was the first time I had that kind of conversation with a teacher as well. So it was a really surreal launch at the Xbox for me. Um, but yes, absolutely. I was there day one with a with a, a copy of Halo, as I assume pretty much everyone was. Yeah. Uh, and did it, was it, uh, I mean, we know obviously your dad's a keen gamer and um we've definitely covered ps2 games that you've uh you've, where you've been on the show before so presumably this this was a period where you were a, a multi-format gamer but were you somebody did you leap on with the with the xbox live as soon as that became a thing so at the time i was a very strong pc player playing a lot of counter-strike oh, yeah. um yeah. And this was the um, this was one of the things that was keeping me across. So I was playing like the the PS2 was obviously a huge deal, um, and I was playing that a lot. And and the Xbox I had to have it because you couldn't get Halo on PC. Um, um, so I did Not I did initially. go down that route, and yeah. then I uh, for Xbox Live I did sign up for the beta. Um, managed to get Knock on Wood as a name, uh, on my parents' credit card. Lost that when the 360 came around and managed to claim it back a few years ago. Um, oh, so yeah, still that. still got my original launch game, uh, launch title from Xbox Live. And I remember walking into town uh, around the launch of Xbox Live and picking up a copy of Unreal Championship to play, to really sort of test uh, Xbox Live as well. So uh, yeah, I was kind of, I was there for Xbox Live and I was there for the, for the launch as well. Um, and I absolutely kind of, it didn't take long for me to buy into the uh, the Microsoft ethos for what they were trying for this console. It was the kind of thing that I loved with the Dreamcast, trying to push this online, this new um, technology, yeah. raw power, and the ability to do stuff. So, yeah, I was absolutely on board with everything that they were doing. Mm. Tony, how about you? Did you go and buy one yourself? I did. I'm guessing now, your dad didn't buy you no, one. No, no, no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm 22 at this point. So yeah. um, I'm out work. You know, I'm out at work. I'm earning money, so I have you know dis disposable income. I'm actually I've left my parents, and I'm you know I'm I'm doing shared accommodation with people, and you know so I have you know I have the the ability to to purchase this myself. And yeah, I guess my story would be that I was still 
you know, I, I loved my Dreamcast and was quite bitter that that seemed to be coming to an end. Um, I was pretty underwhelmed, as a lot of people, I think, were with the PlayStation 2's launch. Um, yeah. It didn't have a great, you know, a great selection of launch games. And it took, I mean, eventually it got there, but it took an age for that for that system to find its feet. It was a be- it was a good year, really, it until was. things and we're like what? Gran Turismo 3 and Silent Hill 14, 2. 14, 15 months. Devil May Cry. Yeah. Afterwards, so... Yeah, you know, I wasn't going to go out and just sell the PlayStation Two, but you know, coming off the my love of the original PlayStation and, and feeling that you know, okay, I spent a lot of money day one on the PlayStation Two. Um, I still play my Dreamcast a lot, but you know, I I remember sitting there going and reading a lot of magazines, and because I was reading the PlayStation Two magazines, and they were kind of almost you know not willing to acknowledge that Xbox existed as as they would. Um, and there seemed to be a lot of people, as I said earlier, like just really upset that microsoft seemed to be daring to to enter this market that was you know a games console and i was just confused by the whole whole thing and i loved the way they were talking about you know i messed around with you know um some online gaming via the playstation 2 at the time um i didn't really have pc stuff so I was I was willing to be there day one and give it a go and of course halo was getting 10 out of 10s that edge 10 out of 10 which you know pretty much sweet and that's when edge didn't get 10 out of 10s and it was just my god <laughs> i need to to try this this uh machine so i did you know day one i was there i purchased it and like everybody else bought halo fell in love with halo then um i did sign up to the the beta test of of xbox live and just fell in love with that whole system in that regards um met even some... before achievements <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. We'll we'll talk about Xbox Live and and you know, the genesis of that. Um, it was. I really feel like it was a different time then, um, a softer, more gentler time. But you know, I picked I picked my my gamer tag because you know I, I didn't know what to do. I just I was I was watching. I really liked a film at the time called Ghost World, um, and literally I went. I don't know what to pick. I'll just pick Ghost World, and this was at a time where it's funny when you look about it. I could have picked anything. Because there was there was you know so little I probably could have picked Ghostbusters for and and probably still got that but I you know I didn't I just picked Ghost World and it's stuck ever since and I still have that game tag now you know all these years later. That's interesting. You got you guys are you and Carl both have the same your Xbox Live gamer tags are also your Twitter handles right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. a bit. Well, it, once again, different time. You know, you're talking 2002. Like I 22. I'm still yet to really put a personality. You know, I. I a different me online. Yeah, you know, I'd done a few forums and chat rooms, etc. But I, I didn't feel like I had that. What's the word? You know, like an avatar of, of you know my online avatar as, as such. And you know, I picked that. And stupidly, I picked obviously a film name. And you know, many you you can't just go to other places and put Ghost World in it just appear because everyone else has done the same thing. So it's not original. But I have the Xbox version. So yeah, I feel like I win in the long run. But that, anyway, <laughs> for, for me. For me, yeah, it's um, I was there day one and partly because I was just fascinated to see another huge manufacturer enter the market and um, take on you know, the might of PlayStation where you know, I felt like Sega had you know, dropped the baton and I wasn't sure Nintendo you know, had the baton necessary with the GameCube and yeah, was willing to support it day one. All right, Mikhail, I'm going to... Yes, knowing your normal MO, you came to the original Xbox sometime after it was released. Am I right? Yeah, I remember getting a 
I remember getting, uh, you're right, um, I remember getting an uh, original Xbox uh, like it was only 3-4 years ago, and that's because it was only about 3-4 years ago that I got one. Now, why would I get <laughs> that brick uh, in 2015? It's a number of reasons. Um, unlike the PS2, which I wasn't really attracted to at the time, uh, I, and I was still a, a single format guy at the time. Uh, I mean, I had a, I had more of a sane head on my shoulders, and I always thought like, ah, I can only afford to support one console. You can't afford not to have all the games, Mikhail. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that, and that, and now I'm a co- complete mess, and I'm a crazy collector that collects for almost <laughs> yeah. every system out there. So you know, at at that time, I still was kind of sane. Um, <laughs> but I always, I've always felt attracted to to the original Xbox. Not maybe from day one, but as soon as I saw games like uh, Ninja Gaiden, and we did a show on that, of course, uh, in which I already explained a little bit of my uh, uh, history with the system. Uh, we uh, and I saw games like Ninja Gaiden. I saw games like um the chronicles of Riddick, for example uh, mm-hmm. uh even a game like jade empire i thought like you know did those games look completely ahead of what uh sony and microsoft or sony and uh, nintendo were uh were showing on their systems at the time it, it looked like like a, a far more advanced machine and uh, yeah i was always fascinated with, uh, with it i tried to ex- actually uh trick my wife into getting a phone <laughs> subscription that would include a free xbox with the deal but that oh, didn't, God, didn't, yeah, didn't happen yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um and i think also somewhere down the line i decided i needed one even even more because i figured out the whole uh you know the hardware soft modding thing where you could basically install like uh, Final Burn Alpha or Mame on the on the hard disk, and just we'll have... be talking about all that later. Don't exactly, worry. yeah, yeah. So that that's another thing that always sort of kept it in my, uh, you know, kept kept the Xbox with my visor. And finally, when I got a 360, uh, and I got games like uh, Outrun 2, uh, Ninja Gaiden Black. Well, Ninja Gaiden Black actually runs really nicely on the 360, but Outrun 2, as slow, as soon as you hit uh more than 200 kilometers an hour the frame rate goes to crap mm. uh mm-hmm. so I, yeah the, the, the backwards comp- backwards compatibility of uh original xbox titles on the 360 is very spotty at best so i always Panzer felt Boom like auto famously yeah incompletable yeah, yeah exactly you can't complete that on the 360 and the, the pal version at least so yes. Yeah, I I still figured like I need I still need one in my life. And to a lot of people that might not have the warmest memories of the Xbox or think it was just a Halo machine, that might sound really weird. Why you would want one mm. in uh, 2015? But I have numerous reasons uh, for it, and yeah, we'll talk about that once we start going over the we games. We will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, I think I was in the slightly skeptical about Microsoft releasing a console camp. I had a, uh, obviously, I was already a multi-format game. I had been since, really, since 1990. So it certainly wasn't, um, you know, a terrible idea of having another console. But I was starting to feel like, you know, it it was two years since I'd bought a Dreamcast. Since then, I'd waited a year after launch to get a PS2. Then I got a GameCube at launch. And then there was also this Xbox. Yes, and you're, you're right now. The memory comes back that I'd... You know, I'd kind of left the Xbox in the shop when I bought the GameCube. Um, it was, even though you know, again, the GameCube, like so many consoles, uh, didn't necessarily have 
a you know a completely stellar launch lineup full of essentials. It wasn't like Super Mario sixty four. It didn't have that kind of killer app, uh, but the Xbox actually did. And yes, it was a combination of things. Really, getting my first credit card, that Edge review, ten out of ten for Halo were so from where i had been thinking well i've got a gaming pc and i've got all the other consoles so what do i need this for um and the answer was halo and then there were some other you know there, there were a few other reasons to help justify it i thought amped looked really cool and project gotham and dead or alive 3 and so there it was yeah so i i justified it and uh yeah, and played a lot of Halo, um, and I did start then, rather like with the Xbox One X now. It became the, in most cases, the multi-format game machine of choice. So if a game like Prince of Persia Sands of Time came out, you would get, although Digital Foundry wasn't a thing there, you'd get the multi-format magazine sort of saying, here are the differences, the GameCube version has less music, and the PS2 version has got more jaggies, but the Xbox version has higher you know higher polygons higher frame rates better textures and so on so it was if you just wanted the best multi-format console version of something the xbox from 2002 really to 2005 kind of became the the default place to go so so there was a little bit of that as well but more as we talk games of course uh, so the game the xbox i have a recollection i don't know if this is right of uh when they first started mooting it which was probably about the year 2000 maybe even 99 i'm not sure they had somewhere microsoft had an actual x box they on did. stage like Big a box one. that was shaped like an yeah. x and i was thinking well <laughs> that's you know that's not going to work um so the name famously <laughs> was taken from direct x which is the uh the bit of the bit of windows which is kind of completely um it's totally universal now isn't it in that it's everything uses it but it was kind of a i mean i don't know much about these things but it was i remember it being a problematic thing for a while but it was also a powerful thing was it was it sort of direct x8 era that the xbox became some people from the x from the direct x team started looking at making a console based around it is that right yeah i, th I think was it direct x7 maybe it was, Maybe it was definitely it, yeah it was the definitely the earlier thing and i know it was uh one up on what we were seeing on pc at the time um that they were oh, working towards okay. the next version of it for the console so and funnily enough this was the first this this console has pretty much set the the pattern for future consoles ps3 accepted where sony still went for their own you know rather difficult to deal with kind of infrastructure os and and whatever else this was the first effectively it was a like a mid-range pc in a in a in an affordable box wasn't it um it was uh they they took because they'd worked microsoft with uh sega on the dreamcast to an extent and windows ce ran that machine um and also of course the, another reason in which i the way in which i feel that the xbox was sort of the natural successor to the dreamcast was that it was it was the most powerful thing on the market at the time in terms of consoles and it was the one that was focused on online and sega kind of took to making games for it as well which we'll 
come on to. Is so this, it had. Is this a time period where they started naming processors? Well, Sony started naming processors. Was that was the PS3 the cell or the PS2 the cell or the emotion engine? I can never remember. Cell. Uh, cell yeah. yeah. It, uh, oh no, hang on. Cell is PS3. The emotion, the emotion engine. engine the, yeah. It's two. Yes. Which was right. to basically hide the fact that it was an absolutely bugger to program for. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. Yes. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, and it was I mean, normal. That wasn't even something new because we had blast processing for the Mega Drive, didn't we? So um, absolutely, yeah. You know, we we'd had terminologies based to try and sell a console um, already, uh, but oh, you know, sure. it, it's. I think Sony were very mindful that if Microsoft were going to do it this way, because they didn't try and hide the fact that this is very much a PC in a console. Um, that yeah, you'd be programmed for and. Sony almost went the opposite way and said, "Well, ours is actually specifically for gamers." Kind of that that attitude. So that that was kind of an interesting take on which one would be the successful route. It was, and and I still kind of find myself uh, thinking that I think there was this feeling that it might fall between the stools in the sense that PC hardcore PC gamers wanted a more powerful machine, and console gamers didn't really care about the fact that this had a Pentium three in it and you know 64 meg of ddr sd ram and and you know whatever else it was it it seemed like a bit of a gamble and and in a way it, it i mean it didn't win the generation it but it did set it, it sort of set things in motion that would become yeah. the standard next generation an affordable kind of mid end mid range pc was what won the next console generation uh that was the 360 yeah, it's curious. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, so this was the first console with an internal hard drive. Uh, it came with 8 or 10 gigs, but you never actually knew. It was never addressed as such, was it? it, it no, somebody it was all revealed, blocks, right? Yeah, it was done in blocks, wasn't it? Like in, yeah. the, old, in the old style of, of memory cards. But at this point, the PS2 had gone on to saying, rather than just blocks, it said you had 8 megabytes of memory or whatever. Um, but... In when you had your Xbox, you'd be copying CDs to it so you could play music while you were listening to Project yeah. Gotham Racing. You had no idea how much memory <laughs> you actually had to save to. Uh, I mean, that alone was such a cool feature, though, wasn't it? The ability to rip a CD. And obviously, if you were connected to the internet, a lot of CDs would actually pull the information as well. So it pulled all the track titles oh, in that's the right. eyes. Yeah. Um, and you'd be able to do all that. And then you could use your music in a game that you wanted. And like, this was obviously something that... You, PC and I was very much in the PC camp and they're like, well, I've been able to do that for, for years on a PC. Um, but to actually be able to just do it on a console on something that was built to work, um, and being able to, you know, blast around tracks on Project Gotham or fight in Dead or Alive and actually just have your music on because we've all been there where we've got sick of the music in a game. Um just it felt so just new. Like it, it yeah. was novel but, but useful, and then certain games would actually even pull that information into the game. So, like when mm. you were playing like Project Gotham Racing, and you you know you had your tracks, you could actually pull your CD information. It would actually give you that track on the yeah. game. And you're like, this is so cool. Well, yeah. we'll definitely talk about it later. But there was a half a dozen gambles that I think Microsoft, you know, betted pretty much everything on the hard drive being one. Um, Ethernet, Ethernet being then the other for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, we're we'll definitely getting to more of that. But the yeah, 
they they set their stall out right at the very start to to say look you know we want this to be this kind of power and at the time yeah. and I, it, once again you never know because when when you are living in the world of you know either sony at that point of being well you know this this doesn't have those things and it seems perfectly fine like, what do i actually need that and uh you know years down the line yes you know we we did need that um but you know whether we needed it there and then and whether it was the right thing to do at that precise moment um i'm sure we'll get on to and there were also, as always, uh, even if there was never a, a, a like a relaunched Xbox Slim or whatever, I know there were a number of hardware revisions. Uh, I'm not an expert on this stuff. There's a lot of information out there about it. But I do remember a certain amount of discussion about whether you had one with a certain kind of optical drive or another and you would get slightly yeah. better performance or more reliability and stuff. Is it Hitachi was was in some machines and some other Samsung. mate was in another? Yeah, I think Samsung. it was L- LG, Samsung and Hitachi, I think, were the three. And you could tell you from could, the circles. You, yeah, you could tell from the circles on the display on the itself, couldn't you? Rather than actually opening up the box. Yeah. <laughs> were there any other significant um, differences between uh, hardware revisions that we should know about? I think I don't, the main thing was to some... do with disc tray purely for reading copied discs, wasn't it? I think was um, one of them read copies a lot better than oh others. right yeah yeah and i don't know if this is uh, uh if there are any versions uh maybe this is all of them but uh there's a uh capacitor tied to the eternal clock that is basically oh. like a ticking time bomb in the system that uh, will start oh, leaking yes. at one point and uh could damage your motherboard that's right when i saw one of the one of the key figures in the uh, australian guy isn't he who's kind of responsible for huge amounts of the mod scene um he solved kind of solved a lot of the problems and that was one of the things he said yeah you need to replace this thing if you're going to keep an xbox forever uh as a yeah as a homebrew machine or whatever you need to fix this thing if it's got this particular issue because it yeah that'll (laughs) be it um and i also remember some there were some as usual some limited edition machines i remember the crystal one being quite desirable i had the crystal one yeah any others there was a, a green, green like a, a seafood green, green one and as well. Clear. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were the they were the two that I remember other than yeah. the black one. This was um there was a Panzer Dragoon Auto one, I believe, which was super limited edition, which oh, obviously that one looked beautiful. The there was the white one, uh, I think, with uh with the oh, purple yeah. purple logo on it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh but this was before kind of game specific consoles were very common. Obviously we'd had the Pikachu N sixty four and kind of novelty <laughs> items like that, but yeah. Yeah, graphical display. So it was higher. Uh, yeah, just you know, it had a, a Nvidia NV2A. Doesn't mean anything to me. Two hundred and thirty-three megahertz, which I guess I don't remember those who were PC gaming at the time. Out of you guys, where did that? Where would that have sort of sit as uh, as a graphics card? If you if you'd had it in your PC, would it have been horribly underpowered, or or would it, it was mid range? Been... By this point, it was mid range at best kind of things yeah, yeah. um the memory was seen as being only 64 meg was the sort of the same factor i mean i remember going to a mm. um at the riverside stadium where middlesbrough play football mm-hmm. and they used to do a, a computer meet every weekend and everyone would sell stalls and stuff and it was the place to buy all your hardware from because this was way before like overclockers and complex etc um and i had a friend buying a new pc and he bought 64 meg of ram and i think it was about two years prior to the xbox coming out and basically you paid a pound a meg is roughly what it was right. um so by yeah. this point yeah, you see you that, 65 yeah. pound for 64 meg um and by this point 64 meg did seem like it could have been more 
you know, we were about 256 was kind of what you were seeing to maybe 512. Um, the processor yeah. seemed, the graphics seemed at 233. I think we were at um, 400 to 600s. Um, and it okay. just felt like this is quite expensive. But then everyone loses sight of the fact that it's built for purpose. Like everyone yeah. builds the specs, not actually just getting it running yes. on a PC. So Yeah. But on the flip side of that, they were probably in some cases, although, as I said earlier about the best versions of multi-format titles, in some ways they would have been held back because they had to target the GameCube and PS2 versions yeah. running first. And so you may get, you may have got enhanced versions, but you wouldn't necessarily yeah, get and sometimes, too many games. Uh, which... the, the PS2 version was the, the lead development version, like they recently covered Def Jam Fight for New York, for example, in which the, yes. the PS2 version actually looks a bit nicer than the original Xbox one. Yeah, that that definitely happened. And another thing I remember about the Xbox was that the video output wasn't always great. Um, that was one of the things that really disappointed me. Like, as amazing as Halo looked, for a start, it only came uh, in PAL land with composite in the box uh, with a SCART-type adapter, which wasn't, um, which wasn't RGB, as I recall. So you had to buy a better uh, cable, of course, as was normal back in those days. But I still remember it being slightly dark and fuzzy compared to the PS2 in terms of just video output. So even though the graphics were better, I always felt like I was getting a slightly inferior visual display. I still look at the video output from both machines regularly, uh, both via RGB SCART, and I don't really see a difference there. Uh, but that, also, that might also be because I'm using, in both cases, a specialized aftermarket uh, RGB SCART cables. Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, so I definitely got better results from uh, when I, I think I later in, in the Xbox original in its life, I picked up a, yeah, I took a gamble on a, on a higher, uh, higher cost RGB cable. And I think I got, I think I, I remember getting more out of it, but again, it was in the era where if you just like most people who weren't like kind of into this stuff yeah. would have had the crappiest looking setup out of the box, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. You get a, you get a shimmery, fuzzy, fuzzy uh, image. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it amazes me, isn't it? They they spend all this time trying to get these, you know, the best possible image, and then they throw in a terrible uh, connection in the box. I mean, yeah. they're yeah. not the only ones. <laughs> no, absolutely, it's, it's not great. Thankfully, HDMI seems to have killed that. It was kind of the day before. This was kind of the era where they'd make a really powerful console, but still looked at people owning terrible TVs or really right. old yeah. TVs. Yeah, it's and tech. true. And there you could ship them with a, with, a, uh, with high end RGB cables, but uh, a lot of people would have TVs that wouldn't support those. And there was uh, there was definitely a huge shift in how they marketed this console to the 360, because obviously with the 360, it was always paired with Samsung uh, HD TVs, hmm. and that was kind of it looked at the next era of televisions, and it kind of didn't with the Xbox, and that definitely hampered it. And I do remember that an RGB SCART or a really high quality RGB cable became kind of the must-have accessory for every oh, Xbox, um, it, and, and it did make a huge difference. The Xbox could go up to 720p, right, with a certain certain games, yes, even absolutely. 1080i. Um, I know there's a handful of games that did 1080i. So if you had the right cable, as you know, it, it was a powerful machine enough to push that, you know, some of those games, and it had to be obviously you know, made to, to be able to take advantage of that stuff. But they were there, so you know it's it's a big jump from the cable that's in the box to if you really were into you know a great display, it it could actually put out a, you know a 720p display if you wanted yeah, yeah. to. And progressive scan in NTSC hmm. uh, as well. Uh, yes, uh, if you access the 
Xbox UK PAL video mode, there is no progressive scan. Uh, when you use a high definition or advanced AV pack, progressive scan modes are available, but only in 480i and 480p. This can be changed if you replace the UK PAL BIOS of the Xbox with a US one, or you simply get a CD called PAL to NTSC converter. So once again, we kind of, although this was great, one of the positives I put down as, uh, about the hardware here was PAL 60 was available from the dashboard. So you no longer had to rely on developers putting a 60 hertz mode in to get 60 mm. frames. But actually, we still got an inferior machine in PAL territories because you couldn't do progressive scan because there weren't that many prog scan TVs in in the UK. <laughs> Audio, is there anything remarkable to say about that? I remember it had an optical out, but so did the early PS2, certainly, and they supported 5.1 as well. Was it? Did it have superior audio potential to the it, other consoles? Maybe not in terms of, you know, uh, from a hardware perspective. I'm not so, I'm, you know, I'm not so clocked on in terms of audio. Yeah. Um, but I do remember the fact that it would do 5-1 proper sound on yeah. like Halo. Um, and that was oh, such yes, a huge yeah. factor that, that, you know, Halo's 5-1 and it was, you never really got that same impact on any of the other consoles. It's something That's that right. they, they put from the out that this console will do 5-1 and it's kind of, you know, Microsoft, no one really shouts about the things that Microsoft pushed um, at launch from machines because they've become the norm. You know, we've obviously achievements minimum of 720 leaderboards demos for everything on the we saw on 360 but kind of 5-1 was one of the things that was right there from the get-go and the, the basically it was a target rather than a mandatory hit i think That's, but the fact that yeah. you know halo landed day one and did 5-1 and you know a mind-blowing experience to see that game running visually and playing and then you know you've got this world around you in five one. Um... I remember them mentioning that in the in the edge review as well of Halo, the the dropships flying from behind you overhead, and I think that was actually I th I'm thinking about it now. The PS two supported five one, but it was just for DVDs and stuff, wasn't it? It wasn't it wasn't in game. So yeah. Um, so and Nintendo was different did... again because they supported Pro Logic too. Pro Logic, which yeah, which which is not as good. Um, and yeah, they they still do that today, don't they? I think. Um, but the uh, the other advantage, because famously many, many people bought a PS2 because it was also a DVD player, uh, um, but not a very good one was the thing. The playback on PS2 DVDs was pretty grainy. The Xbox also had superior DVD playback and you could uh, you could get that media remote as well, which I think the PS2 did do later on, didn't it? But yeah, lots of little lots of little perks. It was the sort of the start of that concept that notion of having a an entertainment box wasn't it a hub kind of hub system in the lounge or whatever to base your your leisure time around but that brings me on to the design or the aesthetic of the thing would you want this thing in your lounge <laughs> <laughs> now obviously it might be a bit marmitey this one the thing i remember about buying it that day as well as thinking oh crikey i've just spent 400 pound on a credit card i shouldn't have done that uh, was even getting it home from the shop, which was only about a 10-minute walk at the time, was how much my hands hurt by the time yeah. I got home <laughs> yeah, exactly. with the carrier bag cutting into my it's fingers. Ridiculous. This thing yeah. weighed a ton. It was huge. The controllers weighed a ton. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was this big... Everyone said it was black, but it wasn't. It's very, very dark green. It's like a, a deep olive uh, with, obviously, with a big, luminous green big, disc on the bright top. Bright green. Not yeah. subtle. Bright green thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it really yeah. wasn't... It and And it... I mean, it has the 
it has the X. Yeah, it has the X across the top. It could, you know, it could be like a, a prop from an X-Man film or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of liked it in its sort. It was so gaudy, but I never had the same yeah. level of affection for it as I did with like the GameCube or whatever. And, well, and the pl- PlayStation It's a very two, obnoxious box, right? It is. But the, I mean, the PlayStation 2 was a, a sexy machine at the time. You know, if you can class the, machines the, as being the obelisk, yeah, yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, they had a designed motif which I, you know, I think worked, you know, relatively well. So I associate the aesthetic of the original X- Xbox with like gamer PC products from Razer yeah. and stuff like I that. Just, you know, totally. like I just think it was re- a box, like super edgy. Uh... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I literally just think, you know, obviously after the the great big X, and I, and I think that had a bit of a life of its own, not quite as a meme at that time, but you know, people, you know, you'd see pictures of bill gates standing next to his ridiculous x and going well they're never going to release that machine but i like the fact it had that that kind of imprint on the machine still you know almost as an embossed top section but it just seemed like a square box they could just fit all the components in it seemed something like it was rushed to market in that regard like well we need to put it in something well that will do and i'm sure it was more complex than that but when you look at how they've gone on to kind of design sheet machines as you know lifestyle um, accessories to your living room. If you look at the Xbox, it wasn't. It was just a case with a bunch of components in that allowed it to breathe. Um, they made the mistake when, when they tried to not allow it to breathe <laughs> with the follow-up machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say it was probably a good choice to make it as big as yeah, it was. I've, yeah, and I, I'm yeah. I'm sure I've read something about why it was as big as it was, and I think it was just down to um, at that time a lack of testing. They just needed to have enough room in there, let enough you know air flow hard over drive, all the component. Drive, yeah, it? it's got a hard drive, yeah. and that's why it was so heavy because we we just hadn't had consoles with you know a hard drive in for one was it um, not a laptop drive like ps3 use uses and ps4 use laptop drives don't they did the xbox use I, a, a, I think it was a full a size normal. full-on hard drive i think yeah full-on hard memory drive. it was so, a full-on max style hard drive laptop drives were expensive I, then yeah laptops did they miss a trick though by did i mean I, is it is it possible that there was a kind of mixed message about what this box was in the sense that Part of it was, you know, it played music, it played DVDs. The idea was, you know, you could have it as this home entertainment hub. But how many homes, you know, I know game gaming was still slightly a, a more of a younger people's preserve back in the early 2000s. But this wasn't very persuasive. You know, the little slim white Wii that arrived a few years later and entered so many houses, mm-hmm. so yeah. many front yeah. rooms. Beautiful. That giant, big, gamer, ugly looking thing um, it was never really a persuasive argument to the outside of the the core demographic was it it's pretty pretty strange the decision that they made and i mean i never had a problem with the xbox when you're looking at it from the front where the power button and the eject button and the (laughs) pots are that looked okay but when you looked at it from the top it looked cheap and it it almost looked retro but retro as in you know when you saw like a knockoff games console like a a Fisher Price right. one that you'd give to your kids to look like. It didn't quite look like the proper thing, and it was kind of retro and kind of cheap. The PS2 almost had that retro, but it was retro chic. And then you had mm. the GameCube, which was really kitsch. And then you got like just the mm. Xbox was just the odd one out. It didn't look like it actually belonged in the marketplace, and that was really off-putting. But you could kind of hide it in a dark cupboard, other than the bright bloody green plate on the top of it. <laughs> At which least was it just didn't light stupid. up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Front I remember had to, the strange thing is, I do remember when it came out and people were disappointed that it didn't light up. And I yeah. was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it would have, would have kept the whole house illuminated in, in yeah, bright green. It would have looked like a Joel Schumacher Batman movie or something. Like I, I, um, I think, personally, it just ended up becoming a, you know, a functional box for them. If you look at the, the development, you know, the development time from the, the console's initial conception to how long it, it took them to put the components together to get a team together to actually its launch it was not long and i and i think it was just designed by committee at that point of just get these mm. components in a box that's yeah. and i don't think it was that will do but i think it was utilitarian the components fit in there you know we yeah. can make it relatively cost effective you know and we're spending and and that time you have to remember they were spending huge amounts of money what it seemed to be huge amounts of money by adding a hard drive a hard drive that wasn't required as a lot of people would have said at the time yeah. and also a broadband adapter um yes. an ethernet adapter that wasn't required so you know their money was being spent elsewhere and yeah. it wasn't in the design of the thing and in the end i think that was probably the right call it's it is a a lump and they never really, they didn't change it did they 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 never no, came no. out with a Okay, they came up with a different colour, but they never went. Here's a slimline version. They just no. went, well, yeah. that's that's that generation done. We kill we're, that. We're moving the slimline on. Slimline ones, the, the next, <laughs> yeah, gen, yeah. next yeah. generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least they gave us the uh, the S controllers. That's they true. Did. We're, yeah. We're, we're just about to talk about those, but one before we do, I wanted to mention the the name of the console. Really, um, I remember when it was first mooted, and it was originally when it was first mentioned by Microsoft. It was the Direct Xbox. Um, and yeah. I was thinking, well, that's never going to stick. And in fact, it turns out, having read up internally, that was indeed the plan that it would come up, you know, they would come up with a proper name for a games console at some point. Um, but they kept the name on the ballot, the internal ballot for the different names that were options with a view to getting rid of it, basically, because it had become so commonplace in the development uh, circle that some people were, hated it so much that they wanted it to be proven that it was a terrible name. So they left it on the ballot, but it kept making its way through, basically. And in the end, it stuck. And that's how we ended up with Xbox, which is now a pretty famous brand. I think we're now at a point Sometimes where... Sometimes you've got to be careful what you put on a ballot in case people vote for something, don't you? Yeah, that's a very good point. But no politics <laughs> on Kane and Rince, right? Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's curious. I mean, there there are a number of cases of weird names sticking or development names or names like Dreamcast and Wii where, you, where they're first announced and you go, what? And you get used to them. And Xbox yeah. is now, I guess, as synonymous with gaming as PlayStation. Wii was the famous one, I really think, because... Yeah, it yeah. took such a long time <laughs> you can't call something that. I don't think I ever got used to Wii. No, maybe. No, the, the strangest thing is, nearly all of them across the board have had a cooler code name than the actual name. Well, Dolphin, wasn't it? Yeah. The... PSX. Yeah, we've had yeah. Dolphin. Project Something like Project Natal, Scorpio. Project Barkley. Oh no, that was Shenmue. What was the What was the um What was the Saturn called? Anyway, <laughs> different shows. Dreamcast was called Katana. Katana. Oh, that's yeah, pretty, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> They're all better uh, names than the consoles. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, but once again, now, um, it's X. Is it's I mean, it's it can be anything, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure that's why. I mean, obviously, direct X, but X could mean anything. So it's just this. You know, put an Xbox. You know, it could be. I mean, the ridiculous nature they've ended themselves up, which is calling the current version Xbox One. 
Really? Well, and the, and the and the middle yeah. one was named after a color, For, you know. Yeah, so. it's, I mean, yeah, it it's a it's a weird checkered history of the name thereafter. But like, yeah, it was a catchy name, and people knew what you're talking about. Xbox, just, yeah. just you know. Well, it's hard to say it, it is, doesn't work because it's in the it, you know it's yeah. a, it's sort of one of those strange cultural phenomenons that yeah, absolutely overtook kids playing their Nintendo and kids yeah, playing think, their PlayStation. Now kids will play in their Xbox. And I mean, I that think all of them, the 360. that's the weird thing now. I think all of them are kind of interchangeable among, you know, if I, if I hear uh, people I work with who are less invested yeah. and, and immersed in the culture, they might say he's playing Xbox or they might say he's playing PlayStation. They won't, they, they, the they won't console. Sort of differentiate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Those controllers then speaking of big, ugly things, um the the duke as it became affectionately known it's one of those i mean that's a name that stuck that it was never official it wasn't like no. and you unpack your con- your console and you get your duke controller tm there was never you know it was never <laughs> like that it just kind of uh. happened um but there we are and it was rather like i always felt it was a bit like the n64 controller which is much maligned now but actually at the time it was perfect for super mario 64 so we all were like yeah, of course. It's a bit weird. It's it's got three prongs and yada yada, but it works. And the Duke with Halo was a bit like that. It was just when you went to play almost anything mm. else that it became a slight issue because does, it was the size of a giant hamburger. Does anyone know why it's called the Duke? Like, is there an official story? I, I always it thought just... it was the American kind of term as you know, as you must duke it between your legs and somebody catch like a massive great big ball. Like I don't know, Ooh. just I always thought that because it was massive, you would need massive hands, and John Wayne yeah. was massive, and John Wayne's nickname was the Duke. Yeah, it could be that. Um, I yeah, I just thought it was a general term. Yeah, for someone big and manly, that kind of you know, not like With a John Wayne. English. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, but yes, uh, did anyone? Are there any apologists for dare I say, or does anyone swear me, by the Duke? Me. Okay. And th- there's one reason I love the Duke. I know them. Um, I know those and... people. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a, oh. a, a small committee of us. Meat-handed um, idiots. <laughs> yeah, uh, the fact that I have quite long fingers. I don't have massive hands, but I do have long fingers. Yeah, so, so the Duke I, yeah. did work for me. Um, it was I, it was okay. It worked fine on Halo, like you said. But there was actually one game that made me love that controller, and it's Tiger Woods. Uh, I think it's Tiger Woods 2004. It might be Tiger Woods 2004. Well, they were all the same. I mean, control method. Yeah. Is it hammering the but black the... or white buttons for the spin? Yes. 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 And power and spin. <laughs> yep. And Done. it totally worked with you. wonderfully. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't so, yeah, the same on the, the S. That's the one reason. <laughs> okay. Not because they were recessed on the S. Yeah. The silly yeah, black yeah. and white yeah. buttons, honestly. Black and white buttons with no name. Yeah. That was a curious <laughs> innovation as well. Yeah, I've got two uh, S controllers, uh, a weird yeah. Ninja Gaiden third-party controller, Ooh. which is rubbish. And I've got one Duke, oh. and I intend to keep it because even if it's just out of curio val- uh, oh, for, for sure. curio value, and it's and I don't know, it's you can play on it. It's not it's not a atrocious yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, controller to handle. It's just a bit, uh, yeah. It's just a little unwieldy, and but just uh, like the machine, yes. it was just big yeah. and yeah. You it's know, fun. This, it's fun to shove it into my into my son's hands, you know, my eight year old son's hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> it, it is a thing of legend, the Duke. It is. It, 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 it's a strange yeah. thing because if you haven't seen one in a long time, in your memory, it actually gets bigger. 
And because I haven't <laughs> seen it in such a long time, I imagine the Duke controller is as big as the Xbox itself. Yeah. But it does. It didn't also <laughs> didn't help that it had the huge Xbox logo right yeah. in the kind of the top half of the pad that seems to be overly sized for no reason. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It was Without a funny button, thing. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't last long before they, yes, they pretty much replaced it. I think they even started selling the console with the S after a while, didn't they? Um, instead yeah. of the Duke. So yeah, I, I I went out my way and, and paid a huge amount of import fees to get an S uh, in its original form from um, Japan. Once they had you got quite small hands, Tony. I did. Well, actually, I've got I've got kind of thick fingers, if that makes sense. Um, Gardener's hands. Yeah, just workman's hands, I guess. But no, yeah. and I I you know I, I was liking my Xbox enough, and you know there was the opportunity to actually import um, this small controller, and it seemed like such a a kind of I don't know. It, fun thing to do at the time and I end up, I remember being stunned by import fees on it and paying almost three times as much as I would have done for a normal controller from, from Japan Ouch. but it was a cool thing yeah. to have because it had a slightly different colour coding um, yeah it was a big deal in Japan yeah. because that was perceived as being one of the things because people are although it's not actually that much in it in statistically there's a there's a perception that people are, are, are smaller and I think maybe on average uh, Eastern Asian people do have slightly smaller hands than Westerners so as well as this box being too big for Japanese apartments, the controller was too big for Japanese people to <laughs> enjoy holding. And so all in all, it was a bit of a disaster. So the S was, uh, I'm not, yeah, the, the S was kind of a big deal. It didn't help particularly, but maybe it's maybe it pushed another few consoles into Japanese homes. Uh, I bought one as soon as it became available just because it felt right for playing like regular games. Um, <laughs> but I kept two Dukes, you know, for Halo and old time's sake. <laughs> as you do <laughs> so yeah other we've mentioned obviously the hard drive was a big deal though i suppose it probably wasn't used as extensively as it is now on consoles in the sense that it wasn't like obviously halfway through the or maybe not even halfway through but somewhere into the 360s life they firmwared in the option to install any game to the mm. hard drive that wasn't even there by default on the on the and original it was mistake. 360 it wasn't even a hard drive there by default on all Xbox Well there you go yeah absolutely so that i mean that was curious in itself in that that was kind of a step backwards it was. Uh, yeah. to make it affordable uh, the the cheaper version um but yeah so did Xbox original support any installation other than DLC and and things like that? Would could could you part part install any games to disc or anything? I don't or think it... you could. I think it was just no, it was caching so. it to hard drive and then pulling off obviously other data. But caching it was a big deal. So instead of having to always ripping it from the disc, yeah, um, yeah. and obviously the, we know that the PlayStation Two at the time was a relatively slow read speed. Yeah. Um I mean, it had you know it certainly even had DLC a, a... was such a huge deal. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you, yes. You're saying like like other than DLC, but I mean we had Project Gotham Racing 2 had um some tracks added and of course probably nothing more famous than Halo 2 getting a map pack. Of um, course. The yes. fact that that could be done was oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. No, and absolutely. now we can all do it because we've all got hard drives. It was just like and then you thought that was just amazing, you know, foresight by them. I'm so glad like because there was obviously a lot of question marks over the hard drive. If they removed it, it'd be cheaper. Um, you know, we obviously we had the same thing with Connect. If they remove mm. it, it'd be cheaper. Um, mm. And it was a big thing, and everyone was always looking to save money. But now we had the hard drive. Now we can actually get map packs and stuff, and and download uh, like Xbox Live and the, the features to go there forth with that. And it just felt mm. in, like incredible to be able to yeah. to do that with the games. 
Yes, absolutely. The base and version of uh, of Ninja Gaiden also had um, the uh, Hurricane Challenge packs. That's and right. And yes, I believe, yes, yes. if I'm not mistaken even, they even did a few patches and updates uh, on mm. just the game's mechanics. Yeah, this was the advent of putting your debit or credit card details into a console and it feeling a little bit scary. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now we just have all of them in there it's, and sometimes we get hacked and whatever <laughs> it's also worth yeah. um, mentioning though yeah although it added extra costs to, the, to a console you could never buy you know a console going forward from the playstation 2 or even even the playstation 1 time isn't it? you needed a memory card so you always had to factor mm-hmm. that into your your spend so although yes you know console at launch could be cheaper to you know the buyer if they were just buying it plain you always had to yeah. buy some memory and that would always yes. knock up the cost. So you'd end up roughly the same point anyway. So by... I can't remember if I even bought a memory card for the... You could buy them. You could. I'm not sure. Yeah, you could. You there... could swap them around. Um, but the fact mm. that you know, a hard drive was in there, it just allowed developers that, that first chance to actually treat it a bit more like a PC and allow you know some more technical advanced stuff of actually caching stuff, allowing faster load times. You know, all that stuff you know, would become more and more important. And the fact that they, they took that gamble and, and threw it in there and then, you know, the yeah, success no thereafter of, you know, Xbox Live and all these other elements that they also put the bet on. You know, if that hard drive wasn't there to start off with, I think it, it would have been a very different system. Yeah. As well as the Duke and then the Controller S, can anyone, does anyone have any fond memories or, or less than fond memories of spending far too much money on either first or third party well, it, add-ons or peripherals? It's got to be the spending too much money, right? Yeah, like, okay. That what was a whole get? thing. Steering wheel? Well, the, uh no i did not get a steering wheel for it okay. no just games um so obviously i got my launch games which were dead or alive 3 uh halo and uh oddworld i got the extra controller and then of course not long after there was the price reduction so you could fill in a little paper form where they promised to give you a controller and two games for free yep yeah i took advantage of that um and i remember I, do you know what? I only remember one of the two games that I got, but one of them was Rally Sport Challenge, and I remember the, there was a huge uproar. How dare they drop the price so quick? And, you know, I mean, it it never seems right, but at least I, I, never, I, I, I never felt robbed because I didn't pay for it. But well, um, yeah. it, always, it felt good to get two brand new sealed games and a controller. I remember now. I got mine. That was what tipped me over the edge. It was the price cut was announced, um, but it hadn't hit the shops yet so the offer had been announced so i went that's when i bought because i knew i could immediately send off for the extra stuff which i did yeah and i got like a few days later i got amped and project gotham racing and a controller that was pretty awesome it nice. might have been amped i think it might have been amped that i got actually amped amped was, and anyway we we're not on games spot. yet well we're if, supposed to be talking peripherals if, if you add-ons. want the ultimate peripheral for the, <laughs> for the console and everybody knows it it was the steel battalion controller and yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I well, was that there. also comes up in games. But, yes, um, but no. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about that, I was there day but, one and I pre-ordered that thing and, and got it brand yes. new the day it came out and paid a ridiculous amount of money for it. I remember and that seeing be- speaking, speaking about uh, yeah, speaking about spending too much money in a peripheral. Yeah, it's, that's insane. It was insane. Yes. Yeah, just for one game. I um, um I, I made peace because they're not even more expensive now than they used to be. Second hand, not even new. Yeah. Yes. And I was making peace with the fact that I would never own one till my good buddy Howard, uh, who goes by Heavy Metaru on the forum as well, started selling off uh, a bunch of his co- uh, collection. And he sold me his uh, peripheral with the game and the whole box and everything 
for a very uh, friendly friend price. Mm. Have you got the second game as well? Which is no, because on- it's uh, it's more of an online. online uh, it's online, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Affair, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, fir- the first game is the single player full yep. thing. We may talk a little more about that later, but uh, did anyone spend any money then on hardware add-ons or peripherals of any kind? So, yeah, steering wheels. I I believe because House of the Dead 3 came out, there were some third-party shotguns and things like yes. that. Yes, yes, I did get House of the Dead with a light gun. Yeah. I need I need to get me some of Mad Cats well. or something? Yeah, it was a Mad Cats one. Yeah. Cheap. Cheap and tacky. Were there some decent wheels for Project Gotham and stuff? Force feedback and things? Am I remembering that? Or was that all 360 era? Uh, the one, the only one I got was the one on the 360, but uh, 360 era was uh, Microsoft's wheel um, for the longest time, wasn't it? Until they opened it up. Um, but I definitely didn't get a wheel for the original Xbox, unfortunately. It's a shame because there was some cracking racing games. Anything we're forgetting? Or was it just not a big scene for this stuff. No, I mean, that, that stuff is there. Uh, you already mentioned the media remote and you know whatnot. So yeah, average the average stuff and the, the headset. Know, yeah, those peripherals could, were always well, there. Yeah. I went through literally thirty head no not literally. Okay, probably probably literally five headsets. So I used to go through headsets yeah. a hell of a lot and would have to you know repurchase those because they were just made out of, you know, mm. really brittle plastic. But yeah. um yeah, no no more than any other console at the time, I don't think. Uh promotion wise the one thing that probably most of us in the UK remember, I don't know if this did go anywhere else, but um, certainly it was a thing in the UK because it got banned. The TV advert uh, with the slogan, Life is Short, Play More. In 2002, the ITC, uh, Independent Television Commission, banned this advert after complaints that it was offensive, shocking and in bad taste, depicting a mother giving birth to a baby boy who is fired like a projectile through a window, aging rapidly as he flies through the air, and it ends with him crash landing into his own grave. And that's how the feeling. life is short, play more. I mean, <laughs> I, advert I, is a... every bit as awesome as that description as well. That's yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, it, it was a bit shocking. And, you know, some of the most memorable adverts are. And I can, I can understand why for some people it was a bit, you know, it was a bit much. But actually, I thought it was a pretty great, pretty well made advert. And one that very yeah. much told the message of the of the product. It, it was as effective for me as the SAPS adverts were for PlayStation. <laughs> Before we uh, started procrastinating and wasting time on the internet during office hours, people actually were sending emails around uh, around this time with all sorts of uh, nonsensical, non-work-related stuff in it. And I remember this advert being sent around via email as well uh, in some of the offices that I worked in. Did it not air where where you were living? No, no, definitely not. Right. Do you remember any marketing in your part of the world? Um, not really. No, no, it was uh, no, not nothing specific. My, but this mm. the ad that we're talking about wasn't even aired in the UK either, right? It was. Uh... It was, oh, it and was. then it was banned. Oh, yeah. It was very it shortly. Was on the TV. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't on. Yeah. It was on for like a few yeah. days before the advert, before the complaints started to come in, but um. Yes, and, and it's now easily available on YouTube, of course. Uh, but does anyone else, Carl or Tony, do you remember any other UK marketing for the original Xbox? I don't really. Ge- genuinely, just the word Xbox on the back of magazines with next to nothing on. Like, it's, as far as it goes being on the TV, mm. it was that Xbox advert. And it felt, and I like, don't know, like maybe there was done. more, or was it just all or nothing? Yeah, was it like they went all or nothing with that advert? Because I don't remember. I'm sure there were more, but I can't remember them. 
Magazines wise, there were almost countless magazines around for the PS2. There were several Nintendo or, or GameCube focused ones I can remember, but the only one I could find anything out about, and I'm not sure, I, maybe I bought like one issue of it, was the official Xbox, or I should say Xbox, the official magazine. Were there any independent Xbox devoted magazines? Because I can't remember any. Even on, even on the continent, Mikhail. Uh, no, also we had an original Xbox magazine and at the time I was working for GamePro and we were going on press trips to various studios around Europe yeah. and uh, Canada and a couple of times I was joined by the uh, head editor of the official Xbox uh, magazine. And, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it was so also just an official magazine. It was kind of funny because uh, at that time Halo 2 had come out and he was kind of grumbling all the time that he hated the game, but because he uh. represented the official <laughs> Xbox magazine, he had to give it uh, top marks and uh, and and talk Ooh. it up. <laughs> yeah, that's not so good. Yeah, <laughs> I remember one called um, I think there's one called Xbox World. Um, at the okay, time. and there was a, there was a few based on kind of the riff of Xbox or XBM and stuff like that. Um, but Xbox, once again, you're you're, right. you're back in the time when. Xbox magazines had demo discs on the front, and it's around that. You know, I remember the obviously the PlayStation magazines obviously having that those features as well. So I think it, a lot of people did go to the uh, the official. Yeah, I'm just looking now. There was one called XBM. Yeah, so they were out there. PSM and XBM. Yeah, was that yeah, not the right. um, the time also was uh, Games TM? Was that around that time as well? Well, yes, Games TM. So was, I sent. I certainly was reading yeah. magazines that wasn't just the official Xbox magazine, but it, oh yeah. For sure, yes. There were there were plenty of multi formats um, around mm. at that point. I think arcade was still around yeah, at that I love point, that and various cool. others. But uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier how, in some ways, I think a lot of people felt that the Xbox was the natural successor to Dreamcast. Um, it turns out that it was actually mooted that compatibility uh, was a possibility. Uh, they would they were talking at least briefly during the development of the Xbox that uh, Dreamcast games might be playable on that console. Didn't come to fruition. Apparently, disagreement uh, or negotiations broke down over compatibility with the online components. So obviously, on the Dreamcast, it was uh, it was the, the, the Dreamnet or whatever, the you know Sega's network based over dial-up, and Xbox were trying to uh, you know put this whole new thing together. And um, so it never came to pass, but that would have been interesting, especially if it had worked like... Um, kind of modern back compat on Xbox where if you put your Dreamcast game into your Xbox it would have been enhanced in some way uh, that would have been pretty awesome but uh, sadly didn't happen you have to do it via emulation now K-Sub-Zero 1000 has some Xbox memories posted them up on the forum look out for the thread for our next console special which will be recording in three months or thereabouts depending on when you listen to this we don't know which console it is yet but uh, Head over to canerince.com slash forum. K-Sub-Zero says, Honestly, when I think of the original Xbox, I think of friendship. Youthful, generous, carefree friendship. I grew up in a TV-free household due to various factors, and even though I was already an avid handheld player by the turn of the millennium, my first proper introduction to home console gaming was through frequent Halo local multiplayer matches with the same tight-knit group of teenage friends. I'd recently moved to a different city and country at the time, and was very happy to have found people with whom to bond and discover a new hobby. An inordinate amount of our collective free time in 2002 to 2005 was spent huddled around this gargantuan plastic cuboid 
boasting about imaginary girlfriends, memorising every square centimetre, sorry, inch, of every map and every weapon's respawn timer, loudly announcing we were going to pull an all-nighter that ended in everybody being fast asleep at 1.15, trying to come up with the most balanced team composition without hurting the low-skilled dude's feelings too much. Drinking from the same budget iced tea tetra pack like a bunch of feral piglets, boldly declaring the use of the sniper rifle to be cheating, prattling on about whose neighbour totally got stabbed with a bread knife the day before, willfully accusing each other of Bildschirmgucken, screen-watching, and inevitably flying out of the apartment en masse once the ritualistic shoving and bellowing had become too audibly disruptive for the poor parents to ignore, only to then load the entire equipment onto our busted-up bicycles, ferry it over to a different friend's house and restart the entire process from the beginning, like the single-minded little savages we were. Gaming felt much more niche back then, especially due to household-wide broadband internet access still sounding like a futuristic pipe dream. I can clearly recall our sheer excitement on the day Halo 2 came out, the opening cutscene was an eye-opener and the simple act of trying out the new weapons and maps felt like a proper event. Lockout still reigns supreme in the hall of fame of multiplayer FPS maps for my money. Needless to say, months of unadulterated fun were right around the corner. I never ended up buying one of those for myself, however. My handful of favourite titles in its lineup, Halo, Fable, Ninja Gaiden, all run perfectly well on my Xbox 360 but I still feel like I've profited a great deal from this brave little machine's existence, even indirectly. As life went on and people grew older, friends drifted apart, but the memories will probably stay with me for years to come. Simpler times. Very nice. Thank you, Camille. Launch titles in the US, where the machine came out first. Shrek, that was the big deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also a big green giant. Very true. How appropriate. Uh, yeah. No, there was a there was a game. I don't know if we mentioned it yet. Called Halo Combat Evolved. Mm. Uh, I think. The, am I right in thinking? I know we've done a Halo show. Please, listeners, go, go and find the Halo podcast. And we've done most of the series. We still haven't done the fifth one. The Combat Evolved subtitle actually arrived quite late in the stage, and it? it was always known as Just Halo, and obviously people call it Just Halo. But Halo colon Combat Evolved ended up on the box and, and the title screen for some reason. I, I, don't, I don't know at what stage. I guess they just felt somebody in marketing felt they needed something to explain what it was, at least a little bit. I mean, they didn't call it Halo first-person space shooter, um, thankfully, <laughs> but Combat Evolved at least suggested combat and, and Evolved. It's like that Brostock entry. <laughs> no, but something that wasn't um, something that was, you know, something that was maybe going to set itself apart from what was the equivalents that were available on, say, the PS2, of which actually, if you go back to a lot of the first person shooters on the PS2 now, they do not stand up in the same way that Halo does no. for my money. It makes it sound a little bit more bombastic mm. as well, doesn't it? Like combat evolved is very yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> and it and it implies implies this sci-fi setting, you know, the, the futuristic warfare kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Uh, Greg from the forum says, in what became an almost weekly occurrence, our next door neighbour would see four young men pile out of a car into the house and promptly hear the sound of Gregorian chanting emanating from within. God knows what he thought was going on, but this was our post-football two versus two Halo session. This was the ultimate setup. Two of us would be on an Xbox upstairs, connected by a very frayed Ethernet cable running down the stairs to another Xbox in the lounge. What would follow 
were hours of some of the purest, most unadulterated multiplayer fun possible. It was video gaming nirvana, the likes of which I've never and probably never will again experience. And for that experience alone, the Xbox will always be one of my favourite ever consoles. Does that memory ring true for any of you guys? It oh, it does. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, can, I don't think you can um, underestimate the importance to Halo, of Halo to Microsoft's brand or to the Xbox brand. Um, gaming. Be, because I mean every 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 manufacturer has their thing, and you know Microsoft needed to enter the market and have its thing. And you look down at the launch lineup. If you take Halo out of that launch lineup, it's a bunch of games. Some good, some bad, some average, some on other, plenty mm-hmm. on other platforms. But it's just a bunch of games. There's no reason for me to walk into a store and pick up um, Project Gotham Racing. is a fantastic game, but it's not going to sell you know, 24 million Xboxes at the time. Halo was something else. Halo was something I had never experienced before in gaming. In the same way I picked up an N64 to play Mario 64 and the moment I had that Mario 64 moment I knew that 3D um, platform gaming for me would never be the same it was just like this this is the benchmark and everything now needs to be as good as this and it took years literally years for things to become as good as Mario 64 because they just knocked it out of the park and Halo did the same thing for the Xbox brand it yes there's a checkered history there yes it's you know from you know, from its um, Mac evolution and, and all that stuff. And it looked like from all the sources, all the way up until a launch, that actually it wasn't going to come together as one whole piece. There was great elements to it, but a lot of people were saying, well, shooters like this can't work on the, on the console. And we know, you know, that show is out there, so go and listen to us talk over two hours about, you know, what it is about Halo that was important to us. But to have this as their mascot, and it came out and it sold, not only did it sell the Xboxes, it sold Xbox 360s. It sold the entirety of what Xbox was then, now, maybe not quite so more powerful into the future because a lot of, you know, there's a lot of water that's traveled underneath that there's bridge. There's no doubt it's faded in recent years. it's an important yeah. franchise for them going forward as well. And it's made them, you know, biggest entertainment launch history and all, all that stuff. It was so important. And... I will never, you know, I can remember that moment, that moment of sitting down, controller in hand, going, you know, doing the beach landing and, you know, things, you know, everything flying overhead and, and having the, you know, the taking down the, the Banshee and it coming down and crashing in front of me. And I just had never seen anything like it. And it just blew me away. And I spent hundreds of hours and even listening to that story you know i was once again i was in a uh a shared accommodation at that point because you know you can't afford housing when you're young um and we had a free floor place and we had a, a network cable that streamed all the way from one floor up to the second floor up to the third floor and we would have multiplayer gaming across all three floor floors and you'd hear people shouting and kicking floorboards above each other and just having an absolute whale of a time and yeah i'd, I'd never experienced anything like that um well certainly on the free floor i certainly experienced um you know kicking brothers and being annoyed at you know, <laughs> mario karts and feet you know, well uh yeah, international superstar soccer and stuff like that in the past mm. but this felt yeah. being a shooter something you know uh, like an like an from an entirely different Special, generation yeah. yeah yeah it's very I telling think... also that uh sony even with their dominant marketing position or market position were mm-hmm. still looking for that halo killer right yeah 
Well, I think that kills it. That's that's the point that I was going to make there, Mikel. Um, <laughs> is that in all of first-person gaming, through you know where Wolfenstein, there's been two terms that have stuck for the longest time. The first is Doom clone, and the second is Halo Killer. Yeah, and that kind of highlights how important Halo was, not just to the launch of the Xbox in sort of immediately escalating it into a a viable brand. Yeah, but in the long run, that it became the yardstick for everything else to match, not just because of the things that it did, but because it proved that console gaming is actually a truly viable, um, fully immersive thing. And it, obviously it went to the next level with Halo 2 on top of that. Um, yeah. And it was just incredible. And I think what what was strange is I was really excited for it and I played the first level through. Um, on single player and I remember thinking yeah do you know what that is really good but I didn't feel the urge to immediately go back and it seems really strange for me to say this about Halo because it's one of my most completed games ever Um, and then uh, I had a uh, well I mean I still got a very good friend called Lee um, and I played a little bit with him in my house and he said well do you want to come and stay over at my parents house this Friday night and we'll we'll play we'll we'll play it in co-op so I went I went over to his house, took all the Xbox, we set up, we had a converted garage into a sort of a second living room. We just set up there and we hammered it. And then he said, well, do you want to stay like Saturday night as well? So stayed Saturday night and we finished the game and we stayed up pretty much. I think we got about two hours sleep and then his girlfriend came over because they wanted to go shopping in Middlesbrough. So we're both knackered, but we thought we'll go out. You know, so the first place they want to go um, is because it was me, Lee, his girlfriend and his girlfriend's friend um, was HMV. Well, they had an Xbox set up on a demo stand. Uh, let's, let's just say his girlfriend wasn't that happy when me and Lee stood there for an hour and a half playing <laughs> more Halo that we'd already spent the last two days playing nonstop. <laughs> and it had that thing where... If it wasn't the campaign, it was one-on-one in multiplayer, it was just messing around doing daft things. How far can you get the uh, the warthog into the base on silent cartographer? You know, all you just you were doing ridiculous things that you could not do in any other game. And I think that is what Halo brought, and it highlighted that the Xbox was doing something, had something a little bit different about it, um, and that, that Halo was just memories and you know we say all the time halo moments is one of those things that you get that that so many other games just don't offer up and just the memories come flooding back and and from that point over like halo was always going to be one of my fondest remem- uh, remembered games because of the memories that it gave me in so many different ways i think i had a similar experience in the sense that obviously as i say i'd spent 400 quid on a credit card or whatever and um, justification there was and there was a certain amount of buyer's remorse potentially possibly even like during playing the first level of halo after you know getting super hyped up for it basically spending that much money to play one game plus a few sundry others that i could have lived without but yes it was all about the start of level two landing on the halo looking at that and feeling the game open up 
and the potential of the encounters and it was like okay yeah that was worth totally worth several hundred pounds <laughs> and i ended yeah. up playing it yeah so many times in co-op as well and yeah all similar experiences i mean it, it's interesting to know not everyone loves halo at all some people really don't like the feel of the gameplay they don't like the encounter design and whatever and if you'd done that if you'd gone and you know if you hadn't fallen in love with halo like i did like you guys did you would have been bit bummed out wouldn't you <laughs> let's be honest i'm not saying there was nothing yeah, else on yeah. the xbox worth playing but that was the killer app that was the system seller yeah yeah it wasn't that funny enough uh i was always interested in the xbox like i said before but halo was never the main attraction for me mm. um but it's funny also what what carl says uh, from doom uh clone to halo killer you almost feel like we're missing in first person gaming we're missing a major stepping stone here in the form of uh, half-life or a ma major event even mm -hmm. but half-life if you compare it to halo is more of is in comparison is more of the domain of uh yeah more of the of a geeky thing for for hardcore pc gamers whereas halo became more of a pop culture uh you know, yeah, structurally they are quite different. Wi games, wider yeah. accepted uh, pop culture phenomenon. But but you are right. I mean, at the time, obviously Half Life was you know a PC mascot. It, what was really yeah. actually strange was um, you know the PlayStation brand. In some respects, I think it's found a few of its mascots. I think it's re kind of discovered. Um, yeah, I always think you know Drake has kind of um, become its its mascot. But you know you know God of War and stuff. It, it's it has some fantastic games. But it, it never had that one, certainly at this point, that one mascot that it was, you know, it was like a collection of games yeah. that you should play on the system. And Halo just become, you know, Master Chief become this this ridiculous mascot from no, from absolutely nowhere, really. And yeah. and it defined, it really did define the console, the brand. And, I, you know, I think going forward, it defined Xbox Live um, and what they were going to do with that system. And Halo 2 had a massive um, say on how Xbox Live ended up being kind of redesigned from the ground up to to take advantage of, of, of what that was going to be um yeah and that takes a, a special a special game and once again you can go back now and play mario 64 and it's still an absolute cracker of a game to play all these years down the line you can go back to halo now and it's still just absolutely brilliant to play and yeah yeah i think it's it's waned somewhat but i, I do think at the time putting myself back then um I don't think I remember many people thinking, oh, this is rubbish. I think uh, most people you showed it to, they were like, wow, okay, yeah, I can see the, the leap because it was a different, yeah, different type of Yeah, I never of really saw what the big deal was until I started playing it. Then, <laughs> Until I actually sat down and started playing yeah. it. Then I saw what the big deal was, yeah. But, but what else was on the If on people launch? see it, <laughs> I think if people see it, they can see what's special, but if they play it, it's how it feels. And I have, quite a lot of friends who didn't like the slow-paced walking, the floaty yep. jumping. Um, and these were the things that separated it for me, and it worked in that scale. But I 100% understand why they wouldn't like that. They could look at it from a technical perspective and think that that's incredible, because let's be honest, the first time you throw a plasma grenade and suddenly you start seeing everything whipping around all <laughs> over the place, we had never seen that before mm. in any sort of game it was only yeah. and remember it was only four years since goldeneye we were still playing goldeneye and if you let yeah. off a grenade in a room in goldeneye it slowed down to literally two or three frames a second and yeah. then here oh, we were yeah. 
and then here we were playing playing Halo. Now, even if even if like me, you had a gaming PC at the time and you'd be playing Half Life, uh, say, or Unreal or Quake Three or whatever. Even with that available to me, Halo was still special. So yeah, one thousand and forty-seven or thereabouts games were released between. 2001 and i think was it 2009 or something the last madden came out it was something crazy mm. um for the original xbox in the way that sports, sports games... games always do something nuts don't they yeah yeah they, yeah they just keep churning them out for the people who just buy a console once every 10 years to play their favorite sports game on but if you look at a at the consoles let's say yeah at a more more tangible lifespan it ran till all Pretty much, it was supported by Microsoft uh, till the 360 came out in 2006. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. unceremoniously uh, binned off with no further support. Isn't they didn't even bother really doing the thing that Nintendo always does, which was like, yeah, we're going to continue supporting our last generation systems for you know the foreseeable future. Uh, it just turns out the foreseeable future is normally 12 months, um, and then they <laughs> then they, then yeah. they switch it off got, the life support. I mean, it got binned hard like the xbox got really hard like yeah. really stopped and, uh, but what i would say is at least they let everyone know with the xbox <laughs> it's something they didn't do with the xbox 360 so yeah yeah, yeah. best-selling games unsurprisingly halo 2 8.46 million copies after that tom clancy's splinter cell that was a big deal uh also a pc game yeah also came out on the other consoles as well didn't it but i think that was one of incredible the incredible game- lighting engine I think that was one of the games where it was well known that the Xbox version was like the the superior experience on console. It sold six million copies. The original Halo sold five million, a mere five million, which seems low when you consider that the Xbox console sold 24 million. Mm. I would have had the attach rate yeah. as near one to one. Mm. But no, one in five? It's yeah. surprising. Secondhand girls ma- games like market might be a... Uh... Just over 20%. <laughs> True, yeah. Uh, Fable sold three million, mm-hmm. and Project Gotham Racing, the first one, outsold the second one. Surprisingly, uh, two point five yeah. million. I, don't, I doubt there was much in it though. Um, so yeah, we're going to go through as we do in these console specials. We're going to talk about some of the games. Uh, obviously, if there's if we've got nothing to say about one, don't struggle to say something. We've got plenty to talk about as it is. Uh, but uh, I mean, let's start with Halo Two because. Yes, as we've already uh, we've already had correspondence. Like for me, it was somewhat of a disappointment in the single player stakes. Again, listeners, go and listen to our Halo Two show. Uh, I think for many people, and it wasn't for me the abrupt non unfinished ending. It was the fact that just I just didn't think it was as interesting. Just the, it it had lost some of its magic in in design. But luckily, the old multiplayer kind of made up for it. <laughs> Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, Xbox Live was a thing before, but I mean, Xbox Live was really a thing with Halo Two. Yeah, like, it was, that was yeah that was the game that that moved online gaming on consoles um, forward, not just a little bit, but light years ahead. It became it became an online system, and that that is incredible. That is the one game it turned. The Xbox from an offline system to an online system. Yeah, this is when because I got broadband. The game that, basically, this is you know yeah. to play this. Uh, I had two hundred and fifty six meg. It was really slow, but it but you know the code was good enough that I could play, and I played a lot 
another game that we'll mention after this one uh, I was was quite an emotional sort of night for me. Um, but Halo 2, when you read the stories of the servers being switched off and the oh, yeah. player numbers being, you know, reasonably huge for an old system and then people just leaving their consoles on 24-7 because they didn't want to see the game go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that, it, that's, that's sad yeah. and <laughs> amazing all at the same time. That game had such an impact on people's lives um, at such an important you know, juncture of, of online gaming on consoles that um, like those memories will live for a long time with a lot of people. Um, and there's very few games that ever have that. And Halo 2 is definitely one of them. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, we probably glossed over a little bit about, you know, the importance of uh, Xbox Live and, and what made it so good. And, and I, for me, it was the, the, the ability to have this shared love of gaming's appreciated by people around you. And that's obviously it. Seem it sounds so so quaint now because it's such a uh, you know a, a mainstay of almost every. I mean, every game seems to have some sort of online capability to to point where I don't even look at it much anymore. Um, mm. But but you'll think you're at a time where you know people who wanted to play online really wanted to play online, and you had less of an aggressive tone. And for sure, there was you know people out there that were. That was still, you know, you know, combated about, you know, losing or, or winning. I had some horrendous experiences on original Xbox Live, actually. But well, uh... see, I, 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 well, I think the <laughs> once again, I, I started <laughs> off with the Xbox beta, and um, the great thing about that is I, I had a friends list, and I had a maybe it was just a curated friends list from people that wanted to be in, involved in that, and you know, I, I can, I probably had a, a list of you know fifty or so people, and we played every night all nights regularly and we played multiple games and halo 2 absolutely justified the assistance of of that functionality but it wasn't the thing that you know i loved about xbox live for, for me it was stuff more like rainbow six um you know I, that was much more my kind of a uh, paced shooter game yeah um ironically stuff like moto gp2 um you know, I had no interest in motorcycle games before this, but there was one that came with the beta disc, and yeah, we all jumped on there. We fell in love with it. We all racing with each other on the tracks, trying to beat each other's times. And yeah, you know, I probably spent the best part of two, three hundred hours just trying to beat times on tracks with people as a scoreboard leader, chasing uh, element of it. And yeah, and I, I think back to those times, and it, it just seemed to be a more innocent and friendly place where people just wanted to kind of have fun and get on. Um, now, obviously, it seems slightly different. But so important when you look at something like Halo 2 is it legitimised what Microsoft were trying to do. And by that, I mean that EA weren't on board with Xbox Live at this point. They they just, they had their own server systems up and they were doing their own thing. In fact, they were you know exclusive to PlayStation 2 at that point. Um, so because you know they wanted to run their own server network they were weren't interested with you know making you know giving that information to microsoft etc so it took something like halo 2's you know massive appeal and actually i think it pushed the numbers up into the millions and it forced ea to actually get on board with um with microsoft and actually start producing you know allowing fifa to be played online and madden and you know they that was big, a big deal at the time for Carl and me, it was quite a sad deal, actually, because it, it killed some of my more favourite franchises because Microsoft at the time to trying to compete had something called XSN, which is their kind of like extreme sports network. 
but there were some great games in there, such as like Lynx. So he played Lynx. And, yeah, um, Lynx, Topspin, um, yeah. Rally Sport Challenge too. Like there was yeah. some really good games. And almost wholesalely, wholesalely? <laughs> almost wholesale, <laughs> they, um, they they cut all those brands as part, almost a part of a deal with um, with uh, oh, really? EA mm-hmm. because EA didn't want the competitor, competitors on, on that network. And you know, Microsoft did what they did. They just went, okay, we'll lose our own brands if you bring your brand over here. And sad as that was, that's you know, it happened. But it was a yeah. You know, it's it, to me, it seems like a, such a a weird thing to see EA have such power then, and you know, the power they have now. And you know, they did similar things to other networks. And you know, I think Nintendo suffered a little. Dreamcast suffered in it from EA, the EA backlash, etc. But um, yeah, I mean, it's mm. Xbox Live for me. I I played it for so long with so many people over that period of time. Um, obviously, I'd go on to do that with the 360, and it was you know a more of a uh, a refined system. But the fact that it was so basic, I think, helped no end. But before that, I remember playing SOCOM on PS2, and yeah, it was <laughs> like that was just a, a you know a jittery, jumpy mess. Everyone trying to be up and dial up, and the fact that you had to have some kind of high speed internet. That is really in peripheries now because <laughs> high speed internet then wasn't what we have now. But the fact mm. that you could rely on somebody having a half decent connection and you didn't feel like you know you were just jumping around all over the place, which was my experience with other platforms, was you know an important I definitely had, system. I definitely had some good and bad experiences. You know, like Leon said, he had some really bad ones in the early days, and I think a lot of that came from the anonymity that people felt that was there. Um, For sure. Were, you know, I mean, it's still a degree now, but things are smarter. You know, people get banned off. People can be found a lot, a lot easier. Like, you know, it's not so anonymous. Um, and there was some, um, quite aggressive, um, conversations and 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 hatred. Um, but I grew up. No, I, uh, it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been that kind of person. Hang on, it was Pez, but... and this guy was absolutely bawling me out. It was you. <laughs> but everyone had a mic. Hundred percent, it was me. If it makes you feel any better, I yeah. actually smashed the Pez Six disc after a multiplayer game. Um, no, uh, Halo Two was was okay. Motor GP Two, as Tony said, was an incredible experience with a really friendly bunch of people. Where you know, um, getting overtaken or take, um, you know, getting someone on the inside of the bend and stuff, and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, that, that was amazing." That. It was just so friendly, and and I'd had it on the PC, but I was sat on my couch with a, just a headset on, and you know, obviously they had that terrible voice changing thing in the launch. You could be a oh, robot, yeah. Yeah. pretend you're like not. Yeah. Everyone, everyone sounded like kids, but um, yeah. or really deep voiced. But that was great, and um, Unreal Championship was obviously one of the real first ones to do. Uh, online gaming and and that worked incredibly well but there is and there only ever will be one truly memorable multiplayer game on on uh, xbox live for me and that was project gotham racing 2 okay we're not going to go in depth on that one because there is a we can't do another two hours on it and we've got a very recent podcast which covers the project gotham racing my last yeah and i I think just the ability to play a game like that online is something that I'd never experienced before. Yeah, um, sure. And it, it felt like it was a community of car lovers racing <laughs> other car lo- lovers. And I never had negative abuse online on that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think the, the important thing is the added headset in every single, you know, people 
that were you know joining online had the ability to talk to each other and i know that was a massive fight inside microsoft as well that well people won't want to talk to like nobody wants to talk to each other and yeah you know, we the internet was there I wish they hadn't. well but it, yes and and no but the, this was I, before i had a friend an online friends list so i was playing always playing randoms but i should say like my halo 2 experience was 95 percent positive it was uh, it was tended to be other games where things went. Uh, but I think of, of kids now, you know, and it's such a oh God. I make them sound, but it it's such you know, every you know you think of Fortnite and all all these things that you know a lot of young kids have access to now, and it and it's you know it's just part of their life. This wasn't part of my game in life, you know. This was something new, and you know I I ended up you know becoming part of a kind of a, a group of friends, and we set up our own website, and it was you know a fairly big deal at the time, and. You know, we got together and we had, you know, literally random people from up and down and, and you know, I, you know, had somebody from Poland come over and stay. Um, you know, and I, I think of these people now I know and I still keep in contact with them. You know, there was, you know, a big group of us and sure people were doing that on, on PC. Um, but for consoles, it, it was more than just, you know, a laggy internet connection. It, it was, you know, meeting like-minded people and feeling that you belonged as, you know, this hobby belonged in a more wider landscape than just you know oh, i was you know me and my mates play games it was me and what felt at the time the entire world played games and you know i have access to talk to people in america that i had never had real access to and if i was having access it was just be via you know text and keyboard and you know that's that's not the same so to me it it profoundly changed how i was going to enjoy games and i think changed how the industry would look at how games would continue forward and it's come on obviously leaps and bounds and many more systems have come in but i do wonder i assume it probably would have come in at some point and somebody else would have done that but if we're looking at console specifics you know microsoft i think popularized um online console gaming and you know you look at it now and it's yeah everything seems to be that way and you know that's that's a legacy in itself surely Continuing to look at uh, these are mainly uh, this first section are console exclusives and uh, other uh, first or second party things. Um, lest we forget, although there have been three installments on 360 and three on Xbox One now, the Forza Motorsport series actually started on the original Xbox. Uh, I guess it was their answer to Gran Turismo. Um, it kicked things off nicely, did well. Uh, Rally Sport Challenge was Dice and still beloved. The series continues, doesn't oh. it? But it's not by Dice anymore, and it's not quite the same as I understand. No, Rally Sport Challenge. Rally, you know, Rally Sport Challenge was good. Um, it's the game that I got with my discount offer uh, with the controller. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it, but then I picked up Rally Sport Challenge too, and that is, in terms of learning and developing from a, a an original product. That is one of the games that I would class as having the most iterations or some of the so most the iterations jump. that I've seen in terms of polish. Right. Oh, in every department from the, the multiplayer was super smooth on it online. Um, the Just the, the track design, the amount of cars, uh, the music, like just everything had gone up a notch. Um, and the fact that Rally Spot Challenge 2 was really the last of the true Rally Spot Challenges um and i mean right. i understand dice did go on to uh other quite important other things, games yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah uh it's just it, it is a shame uh because rally spot challenge 2 is and still is a very very good game 
Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was also a PC game, and that that's a theme that we'll uh, go through. Yeah. But uh, yeah. and and its sequel. Uh, but I think it was it, this was one of the games that I uh, took a day off work for and got up early to get down the shops and bring it home. And I think I played about fifty five hours of it. I don't don't remember. I don't recall completing it for some reason though. Um, but uh, it was yeah, it was a huge deal. Uh, I still I still have issues with it, and I'm sure it's a game we'll. Well, we're likely to consider strongly consider yeah. covering it on the uh, Kane and Rince podcast at some point in the future. Yeah, Jade Empire was uh, came out around the time that I started to also get Bioware. seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, by way, yeah, I started to uh, to get very seriously hands on with the original Xbox because I joined uh, the editorial staff of GamePro at the time. So even though I still didn't have my own system, I yeah. was playing a lot on it uh, at the uh, yeah at, at in our in our offices. Yeah, very, uh, very uh, impressive game in in so many ways. But it was also, I felt like it needed more development time. Uh, like it was kind yeah. of cut cut short. Uh, Same as uh, Knights of the Old Republic two. Yeah, uh, as I understand, it was, was it was fairly short running time for an uh, mm. for an RPG of that ambition. It was given away free on yeah. Origin a while back. Jade Empire. I do remember Jade Empire getting a massive score from some major outlet, whether it was like mm. a ten out of ten or something. That official Xbox was, magazine, uh, <laughs> as if, uh, as it was a format um, exclusive. I, I, well, I know C, I know CVG were quite high on it and stuff, and they scored it quite yeah. high. Um, but yeah, there was there was a there was a huge outlet at the time, and I remember thinking it 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 was like a, it was almost a perfect score, and I remember being a bit stunned by it because. Who were Bioware? <laughs> um, was kind of yeah. One of if those you weren't things. invested in um, PC gaming, they were less of a name. But uh, that, yeah. that that was kind of the thing. Um, and despite that, I never. It was one of those things that I always wanted to get to on the original Xbox and never did. Um, I was obviously heavily involved in it. Um, and it's something that I actually played so many years after that. Kind of that polish and mm. uh, wonderment that was. Yeah, there when it was released were uh, diminished. It's one of those that we get requested quite a lot, but for those of us who haven't yeah. ever played it, it's going to be a bit of a different experience. But that doesn't mean we won't attempt it to see if that's the case mm. or not. Somebody might fall in love with it. Ninja Gaiden, and of course the sort of uh, souped-up Ninja Gaiden Black. Although didn't they take the emulated versions of the original trilogy out of the black version, which I always thought was a tremendous shame. Yeah, wanted it to be like the and comprehensive. They 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 replaced it with uh, the arcade game Ninja Gaiden. Oh, that's okay. Well, yeah, yeah that's true. That's also cool. So, but yeah. really, you need both. But you can only now download the black version on yeah. Xbox One. Uh, yeah. We did a apart show. from that, it is the, the the more complete and more polished version for a game that's already ridiculously polished in the yeah, first place. Yeah, absolutely. We did a yeah. recent show on Ninja Gaiden. Uh, check that one out. Uh, I think for many that was another. Uh, well, for, for me, this for, this was the game that wanted yeah. to, you know, I tried to get my wife to, <laughs> to buy into that phone subscription. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's absolutely amazing, and uh, I, I mean, I was the one on the show that loved it the most out of the out of the panel. Uh, but I th- still think it's an absolute masterpiece uh, and a real stunner. Together, maybe it tied with amazing. yeah, and together tied with uh, with F Zero GX. I think those are the two most impressive games for me of that whole generation. Just the amount of polish and content and slickness. Fortunately, we don't need to, an Xbox original to play Ninja Gaiden anymore. You can either play Sigma with you know there are some I know there are some pros and cons, or you can play the original on your three sixty 
uh, or your and Xbox One, One as yes. well. I yeah, think. it looks yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, it's kind of crazy, and I, I remember being blown away by this. I think that was probably the first game I played on console that blew me away with just its speed. Yeah, like even now, if you absolute... go back to to it, there's still you know the the performance of that game. There are still so many games that come out nowadays on consoles that don't come yeah. near it anywhere. And in in it, just the, the kind of combat, even its own series hasn't managed to sort of improve on uh, what Ninja Gaiden Original yeah. and Black did. It's uh, it still stands as a very as a very sort of singular game. There was no attempt to even bring that to another console. I don't know if there was actually a financial relationship or whether it was just Team Ninja. Itagaki and co said this can only work on this system. That's, so what, we're not that's what Itagaki work. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, okay. uh, he was uh, on Team Xbox for a long time. Right. This, these are a pair of uh, games which I feel ought to get the uh, HD treatment, the remaster, Otogi, uh, Myth of Demons and Immortal Warriors by From Software. Yeah. Um, they're not perfect, I would say. I mean, nothing. Never is. heard of them. Uh, but yeah. But they they were very cool, very slick, very impressive. Um, you know, they're, they're probably Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is you know everyone's raving about, or at least talking yeah. about, if 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 possibly hating in some cases. Right now, Otogi is the sort of predecessor of Sekiro more, more yeah, than anything. It, I would say mechanically they're very different, though. I, I don't go into these games expecting something like uh, Dark Souls, or Bloodborne, or even uh, Sekiro. I think it's it's um, uh, the the theming is actually very closely uh, tied to the the Dark Souls series because you are an undead warrior in these True. games and you are claiming souls. But it's very it feels very very different. It plays very different. It's very floaty uh, combat. You can uh, stay uh, airborne for a very long time and uh, do do air duels. And it has all these destructible environments as well you can level yeah. buildings with your attacks and uh, yes yeah. and they're yeah. probably very dreamy uh, magical games i feel they're a very unique atmosphere yeah and uh, they were tough but not perhaps not quite as tough as uh, i'm hearing that sekiro is so uh, yeah. might be worth checking out um it's I, for me it's a real shame that they have never come to uh, any backwards compatibility or whatever because yeah. i don't have my xbox anymore yeah, but these are also games that sort of you when you would play them, you would feel like okay, the PS2 or the GameCube couldn't pull these off. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so after the uh, the previous uh, Abe's Odyssey and uh, Abe's Exodus uh, had done so very well on particularly on PlayStation, um, there was some kind of tie up between Oddworld Inhabitants and Microsoft which meant that there were two then exclusive Oddworld games Munch's Odyssey and Stranger's Wrath Stranger's Wrath we've covered on the podcast that had great reviews at the time EA distributed that one Munch's Odyssey was a launch game I think right in thinking. yeah well, yeah for sure yeah uh, which I've never played yeah I got it I've got anything, it too anything to say about Munch Semi-successful attempt at bringing uh, the puzzle platforming of uh, yeah the the ape games uh, into <laughs> into three D three D yeah I think that's probably a fair assessment of it. I remember being very impressed by the use of like the the t- color tones and the the palette and the world that was being crafted, and it looked pretty for a launch game, but it didn't have that. That killer kind of X factor that, that other launch games did at that time, and certainly didn't have that charm that Ibs Odyssey did mm. on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Stranger's Wrath we covered on a podcast many years ago. Uh, I think we basically liked it, but we felt it had aged somewhat. Tony, would would that be fair? You were on that one, weren't you? I was. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a yeah. yeah. It it once again you look at kind of games of that era. It was it had a, just a really fun charm. It really messed around with its character and the weapons in it were you know completely over the top. You know, being able mm. to fire different creatures and stuff out of your gun. Yeah. And I a think the uh, the thing we found out it was a hard game. <laughs> um, it was even probably harder to spikes. play. Yeah, to play yeah. Um, in a, in a modern context with uh, yeah, but again, ish, camera issues. But I thought it was a really good game in the end. You can play it on things uh, thanks to uh, just add water. You can play it on uh, on more contemporary systems. Uh, the Chronicles of Riddick also got uh, remastered for the next generation yeah. of consoles. Was also yeah. available on PC, I believe, or was that only when the remasters came around? Either way, no, it was. I think no, it was it, available it, on PC. It, but only later. I think it was a, a timed Xbox exclusive. Okay, uh, yeah, I, had, I have a feeling. Um, yeah. And this was another one, even though I hadn't seen um, either the... Uh, at this point, I hadn't seen the first film with Riddick in. Was it Pitch Black? Um, and yeah. I had no interest in Vin Diesel as a personality or as an actor. <laughs> that I rushed out to buy this one on, on day one as well, just because it was this yeah, highly regarded uh, sci-fi... Yeah. Xbox and, and and one of those games that just felt felt like it was a generation ahead. Technically, just yes. From, from technical, yeah. it was a bit oh, too yeah. stealth heavy for my liking. Uh, famously, not in the very last section, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't get on with it as well as I was hoping because it was uh, it was a lot of sneaky sneaky, which I'm not very good at. But uh, once again, you guys like genuinely it. one of those huge surprise titles where mm. it comes out and are a, a little bit like probably Arkham Asylum where. Yeah, it's tied right. in with something that you're very familiar with and then comes out and surpasses a lot of what's actually in that brand um, and puts together a really strong game. And that's one of those games where I read the review and thought, well, this sounds both incredible and different. Mm. I'm going to buy it. And did I went out and bought a copy of that as a result. Um, and in a, in a really strange way, and I hate using this word, it still feels relatively unique in the first-person shooter genre um, in terms of the actual core feeling of how you move your character. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, in regards to stealth. I, I, and I think it's, uh, to me, it, that also highlights the the positives and the negatives, I think, of the Xbox brand up until this point, and maybe even still to this point, which is I think they were really embracing titles like this, which seemed to be you know slightly more you know adult-orientated. Um, you know, the marketing was all over a game like like Riddick, and it seemed to be you know something that was previously maybe only capable on you know something like the PC could to, could handle when it was finally making its way down to you know the, our, yeah, our, sure. our lowy console um, guys, and it and it yeah it, it seemed to be like well you know this wouldn't even run on the PlayStation Two. Look, aren't we aren't we the special ones over here? Um, and I think yeah. you know Microsoft at the time were were happy to in kind of embrace that attitude, although. Once again, yeah, you know, I kind of look down this list and go, yeah, you know, where were the, where were the uh, kind of kiddie family friendly games? Um, and that there wasn't huge amounts. They do exist to a degree, but it it wasn't what I don't think Microsoft were kind of aiming their their branded at that no, point. This is where the 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 whole dude bro thing kind mm, of started. Yeah. But you know, we'll we'll come to some in a bit. <laughs> but uh, speaking of which, uh, Dead or Alive. Um, so Dead or Alive Two had had fantastic versions on both Dreamcast and PS Two. But then Xbox got exclusive DOA 3, 
uh, which was even more technically impressive along the same lines as Ninja Gaiden with its 60 FPS and super high-res models. Yeah. This was, while Dead or Alive had always been a little bit pervy with its bouncing breast physics and slightly skimpy costumes, it still had some reputation as an action, you know, as a a worthwhile fighting game at this point. And then, uh, again, another reason for a, the kind of hardcore gamer to get an Xbox was the ultimate DOA 2 and Ultimate Collection, which was uh, the only real close port of the original coin-op because the Saturn got a straight port, but it was yeah. uh, compromised. The PS1 got a, a, a sort of version of DOA Actually, 1. Actually, the uh, version, the Dead or Alive uh, 1 Ultimate version on that collection is based on the Saturn version. Oh, is it? Uh, oh, and, okay. uh, and uh, Itagaki hims- himself has uh, said that the Saturn version was better than the arcade version. Oh, well, there you go. That's but why it was actually uh, based on that. Faster frame rate and higher resolution yeah, than yeah, the Saturn sure. version. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and DOA XBV, probably a game we should, we should do that series of games on the main podcast <laughs> and see yeah. what we all feel about them. I bought this. I've, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit. Um, I didn't really understand maybe quite how kind of dress up doll and pervy it was. <laughs> um, yeah. The beach ball was okay, but quite limited. No, yeah. The the thing about this is, I mean, going back slightly, Dead or Alive Three is one of those early Xbox games that I uh, remember impressing me a whole lot just from the way it looked. Uh, and uh, I maybe two years ago I I uh, got a copy of Extreme Beach Volleyball, and I actually was under the impression, oh, this you know, same as how the Dead or Alive fighting games are a bit pervy, but still actually really solid fighting games. I thought, mm. oh, this might still be a very solid arcadey uh, volleyball title, you know, like uh, like something like Beach Bikers uh, by Sega, for example. And I was kind of. Yeah, this this sounds really ridiculous, but I was actually quite disappointed with this game because of all the dress up and the, the, the sort of dating semi kind of aspects. And I, all I wanted to do was just play some video games. I don't I don't want to buy gifts with people and try to try trying to woo them and uh, coo them into my volleyball team. And like I was, you spend so much uh, busy time just managing and doing silly mini games rather than playing the, the volleyball game itself, see, I, I which have... is kind of underwhelming and basic uh, as well. See, I had a, a a good thing going with uh, Dead Alive Beach Volleyball. I used to play the volleyball part, and yeah, my my uh, yeah wife to be at the time, well, wife to be at the time, my wife to be would play all we the uh, the sim sim parts of the the dress up and doing all those things and and sending gifts and making sure wow. everyone was happy, and then pass it back. Gender cliches. Yeah, it was. Oh, right. uh, it was well, maybe, but it good was. Stuff. I will still <laughs> stand and say it was fine. a good game. In that kind of weird, the second mm, one was so, yeah. was great. The the sequel didn't review quite so well, no. but we're not we're not here to no, talk no. about that. One that I've never played, but I understand was a format exclusive. Uh, I, I was never particularly into the TV show or anything, but uh, but Buffy. Anyone play Buffy? Very, very good a game. lot of Buffy. Yeah, right. Uh, a, a good it's game. The only place you can play it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good it game. Is, yeah. No, it's it really it's by uh, the collective who went on to make a, a really good Indiana Jones game as well. Um, Aha, they're no longer. I think they they shut. Um, the Infernal Machine was that one? Was that that one? Yes. Or was it, yeah. Uh, but no, it, it's yeah. actually it's got a really um, solid combat system. Um, it's pretty pretty faithful to the TV show. Uh, there was a yeah. half decent sequel that uh, followed up for it, but yeah. I don't think it was by the oh, collective. Okay. But um, 
does does a decent decent job with the story yeah, as well. It's um, it's well respected. We um, should probably put it on the big list, but uh, but it would require Xboxes to play it, which not all of us have. Maybe enough of us have anyway. Uh, Call of Cthulhu: Dark Corners of the Earth was also a game that came to PC. We did a podcast about it recently. Again, comes under cult classic. Uh, works better on the Xbox yeah. than it does on the PC. The PC version is mm. kind of broken. The console version is completable, <laughs> which is a bonus. Yeah, Galleon uh, was Toby Guard's much anticipated uh, sort of directorial follow-up to the Tomb Raider games. <laughs> This and it became an point... exclusive, right? Because I, it was yes. also previewed in GameCube magazines. Yeah, uh, I, I guess, I don't know if it was the tech that meant that it became an exclusive or was it Microsoft paying for it to become an exclusive? Either way, I don't think it really set the world on fire. I haven't played it. I remember it reviewing moderately well. Metal Wolf Chaos is the next one I wanted to mention. Now, I've not played this, but I'm very much looking forward to Devolver Digital's forthcoming uh, remake or Same yeah, here. HD yeah. version. Um, it's it's mental. Uh, it's it's an absolute. <laughs> it's properly a loopy game. Uh, it kind of in 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 how two D and Japanese it kind of is. It doesn't even feel like it was really meant to be on the Xbox. It's a real odd. It's a Japanese exclusive as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was never released in the West. No, Even though you so, play, the, play as the, the President of the United States. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Fable was another one. I actually imported this. Uh, did we, have we mentioned already some, I think it, was, it wasn't the whole system, but some games were region-free, weren't they? Uh, this, was the, this was the period of the industry where it wasn't that you just couldn't put a foreign disc in to your console and it would just say, eh, eh. it would sometimes load it. And in the case of Fable, that was one of those times because I imported an American copy. Unfortunately, six months later or whatever it was, they released Fable The Lost Chapters, which was the much less buggy, much more complete version. Um, this is a game that we've been asked to cover on the podcast many times. Any fond memories of Fable among the team here? I remember the hype around it. Um, <sighs> yeah, Microsoft desperate to kind the of... promises. Put their, yeah, put their stance on... Um, you know, an RPG, and you know they were desperate for something similar to that, and uh, yeah, obviously Peter, oh, yeah, <laughs> just like there was a lot of promises, and yeah, it's a game that is more famously underdelivered, but actually there's there's a, a you know a, a interesting game underneath the kind of failed promises, but you know once again marketing over um, the delivery of the final product, but actually I, I don't think it's a terrible game, although you know it's a long time since I played the original. I preferred the second one. Uh, again, a series maybe we'll do someday. Uh, again, uh, a franchise I've had nothing to do with, but um, more family-friendly, Blinks, the Time Sweeper, and there was a sequel. Tony, I think you're a fan, am I right? I am a fan of it, and I yeah. I think this this series gets a bit of a kick in, just because it's got a horrendous mascot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just you, because of that. Yeah, thing. well, like, you know, once again... Don't stop you, Mario, hey? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Do you, all, all, I mean, you think about the amount of mascots. Well, okay, mascots are wrong, but amount of uh, characters of of platformers that yeah. know, people were trying to. You, know, they're, they're, you could make an entire show littered with terrible game ideas, or terrible mascots for those games. Blinks being a cat was yeah fair enough, but the actual mechanics was really good. And once again, it comes to the fact that you know this the system had a hard drive built in, and they could do stuff that we had just you know, hadn't seen on consoles. So it's. Its elements was you could pause, rewind, and uh, time, 
uh, in the first game there was uh, like a 10 minute timer to, to get through the level in the second game they got rid of that and changed and made the uh, the platform a bit more tricky but it has some you know we, we've seen this actually time and time again now there's a lot of games that, that mess with time mechanics and, and time and place but Blinks I thought at the time was really interesting idea and actually played really well and would be a fascinating game to go back to although I'd imagine it's it's more limited to what we are used to now because we, you know, the, the, the yeah. kind of that mechanic has been, you know, worked on and improved over many iterations of many games. But I think at the time, I played both games. I completed both games, and they were tricky games to complete. And they had a, you know, a unique hook that just was unique at the time. So, you know, personally, yeah. I'm a fan of Blinks, but it, yeah, you were a cat. <laughs> the funny, the funny thing about it is, as much uh, like Tony said, as much this, uh, these games seem to be ridiculed. I've not heard nothing but good things from the people that actually played them, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Crimson Skies was the sort of consoleized follow-up, come sequel, come reboot, I suppose, of the Crimson Skies game that had already come out on PC. It was a Microsoft property, and it's one that they do uh, re-release as a, a backwards-compatible game. I really liked Crimson Skies High Road to yeah, Revenge. fun game. Air, air, air combat shooter, um, arcade the, the likes a genre that's you don't see too much of these days. Yeah, Maybe it's it's, ki- it's kind of uh, f- uh, similar to like the the Rogue Squadron games, right? Like you, you yeah. have these maps that you fly back and forth, uh, forth on with uh, with objectives uh, to to fulfill and some dogfighting. Yeah, this sort of alternate World War Two thing yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah, 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 worth checking out. I reckon. Uh, again, couldn't tell you how well it's aged because I haven't played it for a long time. But it's another one I would I would be happy for us to cover. We did cover very good for Xbox Live as well. Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah, dogfighting huge deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. On Can Xbox you remember how many Live. players it was at a time? I was it. I want to say it's twelve. But I can't imagine it was Ooh. that high. <laughs> Felt like it. Um, Conquer, <laughs> yeah. Conquer we covered, so uh, you can learn all about the differences between Conquer's Bad Fur Day and Conquer Live and Reloaded on that yeah. podcast. Obviously. I reviewed Live and Reloaded as well for uh, for Game Pro. There you go, yeah, and that was a rare game, of course, as was Grabbed by the Ghoulies, their first uh, kind of exclusive, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. We've also covered that, as I say. Um, more, more interesting from the fact of Microsoft putting down huge amounts of money to buy a developer um, yes. to stable up their own their own need for you know lack of development houses and you know and yeah, we're, we're, much has happened to Rare since then. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it was a sign that you know Microsoft were willing to throw down. Ridic- mm. what seemed like ridiculous amounts of money at the time to buy a studio yeah. that was you know, primarily a on. Nintendo-based working studio. Yeah, sure. Before there was Grand Theft Auto in 3D, uh, there was Midtown Madness, and the third game in that series, Midtown Madness 3, was an Xbox exclusive. Was That, that was also an Xbox Live thing? It was very much an Xbox Live thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge Xbox Live deal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a cat and mouse game in particular in that, where oh, one right. person had to hide and the rest had to find. And because of the um, slightly ridiculous mechanics of the way you could get up on rooftops and stuff, um, you could yeah. find yourself on top of a roof and watch for about 20 minutes as people were trying to work out how you glitched your way up there. Um, hmm. And <sighs> yeah, it's more simpler times, but really, really fun. Yeah, it, it it was a game that did not take itself seriously, nope. mm. and yet just felt really polished. And it was kind of one of those games that really pushed Xbox Live as well. Um, 
where you'd, you'd get like tie-ins with it, buy an Xbox Live pack, get a copy of Midtown Madness. Um, that was one of their avenues in, as well as obviously Halo 2. A uh, bit of another cult classic, a survival horror game, I believe, Phantom Dust. It's another one I've, I remember the name of, but um, but I, I, I've only really become more aware of it in recent times because it seems to be quite a collector's item in this, maybe not in the value sense, yeah. but just in the, if you're a fan of, you know, this era of survival horror, Phantom Dust might be one Ph- too. Phantom Dust, it was not a survival horror game, I think. It was more like a sort of a online versus uh, really? multiplayer versus game where you oh. had to use cards to battle each other. Yeah, I always thought it was a, a precursor to the uh, horrible Platinum game from a few years ago that I Anarchy made. Reigns? I'm going to fight you over that. Oh, I, lo- okay. I, I love that one as well. I got that completely. I didn't even understand what genre it was from. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yes, I guess the Xbox's answer to Wipeout was Quantum Redshift featuring some of the original developers, I believe. Very pretty game. First game I ever remember throwing water on the screen when you go through water. <laughs> as oh, okay. a, a little a little novel aside. Oh, um, I thought you you actually yeah. threw water at your Yeah, screen. that's what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> no, so so the second you the hit mat. water and it actually the the, the water <laughs> droplets hit the hit the yeah, screen yeah, yeah, as you're yeah. playing. Um don't remember ever seeing that in a game before Quantum Redshift. Maybe um, it was around the yeah. same time as Metal Gear Solid Two when you come out of the water, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah, uh, sure. and uh, and yeah, and Wave Race Blue Storm as well. Same time, yeah. This was yeah. <laughs> this was the the big. It the looked big very tech good shift. in Quantum. Th- throw water at your well. screen. Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Throw I water at your screen, era. But how? Uh, I remember. I think it's got a seven in Edge. How did you felt? Uh, how did you feel it played compared to Wipeout? Like a seven. Right. <laughs> um, sure. It wasn't. It it. it it wasn't as cool as Wipeout. It wasn't as um, sort of edgy with the music mm, or the, okay. uh, the the craft or the branding. Like the, It felt like the cheap version of it. Like it, it was never going to get its own identity in a world of Wipeout because it didn't push boundaries like Wipeout did. So it was solid. It was competent and nothing more. We mentioned it earlier, but let's revisit it just uh, briefly. Steel Battalion. Uh, or Techie, as I believe it was originally called in Japan, yep. and its sequel, Line of Contact. Um, so, yes, you can't play the sequel, really, because it's the online. But actually, it was arguably at the time when it was running was probably the one to get, because I remember the people talking about the original game and saying, actually, it was quite short and limited. And really, the obviously, the selling point was this insane controller. For those who've never seen it, don't know, this is quite a long time ago we're talking about. If you've never seen the Steel Battalion c- controller, just Google it. Do a Google image search. It's unreal. It's yeah. It's the toy yeah. every gamer wants. It was amazing. I mean, I, I've never, I've never, I've seen one close up, but I've never touched one. What's it like to yeah. actually play it? It's insane. And, and uh, to put put it up front, I mean, the of course the controller is the selling point, but the game is is not, you know, it's it's not just a. a, a, a tacky um enabler for the controller yeah um, right i think one of the main guys behind it is atsushi inaba mm-hmm. and it is a real unique experience um and it all ties in very nicely with the with the controller where uh there's actually a, of all the 40 buttons there's a huge glowing uh eject button yes. on there that Under is a covered with cap. a plastic cover that you always yeah. need to have flipped flipped up and uh because if you uh if you actually don't eject your seat 
when your mecha catches fire mm-hmm. in time, it saves. Uh, it ira- erases basically yourself. erases your save game, and yep. you have to start all over again. So it gets incredibly tense. This game, it's a really uh, cool, f- uh, cool concept. I think uh, the whole thing. Yeah. It's just a shame that it was so prohibitively expensive. I think it launched yeah. at one hundred twenty-nine yeah. in the UK, and I remember seeing it secondhand for one hundred and fifty quite soon after. Yeah. I guess it's only gone up. But know, you but... think about yeah, this. people buy, built enormous cockpits around this controller as well. Yes. And it, it's, I remember seeing it's the this enormous. You, you really get this sensation of piloting a huge mech when you're uh, when you're sitting in front of a screen with this uh, controller and your your feet on the pedals. Mm. Um, yeah. And, it, and it, you just it, want that and VR. The, the whole <laughs> and the whole game is some sort of uh, near futuristic horrors of war experience where you know you you because it's so tense and because the missions that you encounter the more the further you get in are uh, getting increasingly morally gray uh it's uh yeah it's it's quite the experience the the, the joke of it is it's an incredibly niche game even without the controller add the controller in and it becomes this ridiculous you know yeah only a few thousand people are going to go into a purchase both those things and how many people I think they only made like a few tens of thousands didn't they but it's a decent game underneath all that so like the efforts actually have gone into it that they didn't they go on then to make VR uh, not VR games uh, Kinect games didn't they Um, or a Kinect game well Inaba and company have said uh, about Steel Battalion that it was basically a prestige project just to see if they could (laughs) if they could get away with it (laughs) On, on a on a niche console as well really at that point yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah best completely insane yeah a real curio of gaming mm. uh, and a real collector's item oh. voodoo vince this has had a remaster rel- relatively recently did, did anyone yeah. play it though i yeah, didn't yeah. and i still haven't <laughs> oh well sort it out i think it's on the list i'm sure that's been requested as well um a little collection of i think these were all xbox live games that were notable in one way or another partly just for being early xbox live games uh any of you xbox live early adopters got anything to say about the likes of fusion frenzy whacked kung fu chaos or even the mighty greg hastings tournament paintball interestingly um without looking at this list i was thinking about greg hastings tournament paintball two years ago (laughs) (laughs) um that is the strangest thing ever um and this stemmed from a conversation we were having in our slack channel about my thoughts on apex legends and the feel you get from the combat right and i was thinking do i want to really relate the feeling of firing a gun in apex legends to greg hastings tournament paintball Oh. And <laughs> I didn't go that far because I thought everyone thought I'd be like a, a facetious ass and they'd have been right. But that is the game that I thought <laughs> we know it to. Um, well, to, <laughs> to be fair, everything everything leads back to Greg Hastings. Yeah. Well, that's it. Um, um, Fusion <laughs> Frenzy, Frenzy has always yeah. been joked about as uh, Bill Gates' favourite game because he's that's what oh, yeah. he said um, mm-hmm. upon relaunch, yeah. um, which is always funny. And then it's actually yeah, just it's a collection it, of mini-games. And I played it recently. They released <laughs> it for free on Xbox as part of the kind of release, you know, the Xbox back combat stuff. And played it with uh, my uh, my young girls okay. recently and we had a ball. So it just shows oh, you that, you know, simple, money, simple puzzle games and yeah, but it's it's no you know, Nintendo product, that's for sure. Uh, Kung Fu Chaos right. is a fairly average yeah. beat-em-up and whacked isn't... Ninja Theory's first... Uh... First um, output as a studio, yeah. right? Kung yeah. Fu Chaos. Oh yeah. Good um, knowledge. 
am whacked. I played more whacked than I should have done just because it was given away as a pack-in kind of the demo disc. And it's not great. Uh, but it was online, so... People liked it, I seem to. Or people enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, mm. as in they might not have thought it was good in inverted commas but they had fun with it i always remember it because every time we played something like moto gp or rainbow six we always used to joke to somebody want to go and play whacked and so it became a just a almost a weird meme for us at the time but hey mm. another as Xbox. an addendum to uh, what i just said about uh, ninja, ninja theory and kung fu chaos i think they were called uh jam at the time just add monsters ah also good knowledge or good wikipedia one of the two Good Google. No, I still I still remember that. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> one more Xbox exclusive. Uh, we got a couple more to mention. Jaeger, uh, named after uh, well, pre- the studio named after the studio. Yeah, Jaeger Development. Um, don't know if it's relating to Chuck Jaeger, the uh, the famous um, extreme pilot from many years before, who had a um, who had a game an 8-bit game named after him as well um but yeah this was some kind i think it was a pc version of this as well um but this was yeah it's a german studio jaeger right so and if you would use the german spelling for jaeger hunter then Mm -hmm. people would pronounce it jaeger because it's Ah. with a j so they probably put the y there to uh, make it sound more like german jaeger gotcha okay did genuinely always put off by the guy on the cover yeah, that's a... as ridiculous as that sounds. It was one of those, you know, and I mean, I did play it. Okay. Um, and it was kind of cool seeing inside the hull of a ship and being able to fly it that way. All right. But it it was, it was one of those games that had a horrible Western cover. Yeah, so um, one of those CG and... renders, right? Very ugly yeah. ones. Oh, it was. It's disgusting. But the game itself um, is is very very pretty, from what I remember. It is pretty, and it, like I say, it was kind of novel to be inside of um, what l- always reminded me of what it must have looked like to look through the window of the Millennium Falcon. Um, mm. So, yeah, that, that was that was kind of cool. And it, like from a tech perspective, it was pretty impressive. It had some um, really cool water effects was kind of the thing that it had at the time. Right. Um, yeah, pr- pretty water, but it, not something that's stuck in the long term in my mind i think it's one of those that if you were putting together a a collection of xbox exclusives it would be on your list but uh but yeah um it just yeah apropos of nothing just from my own amusement the version the version that was released on pc rather than just being called the very neat and short jaeger was called (gasps) aerial strike low altitude high stakes (laughs) the jaeger missions what yeah Catchy. Yeah, it makes Combat Evolved for Halo sound pretty straightforward. Yeah. So, uh, one more exclusive that I wanted to mention, and I know Mickey will have something to say about this, uh, is Tecmo Classic Arcade. Now, this is quite a limited compilation of old Tecmo games, uh, including yeah. some of their famous ones, uh, but actually it's only got 11 games on it, which is pretty mingy for an Xbox disc. It's got Bomb Jack, it's got Rygar, it's got Star Force, it's got Solomon's Key, a few other bits and bobs. Um, and arguably, if you've kept your Xbox original for purposes of having a big old emulation box, it's completely useless because you would have all these games as ROMs. But um, <laughs> if you're a collector and you actually wanted to buy these games and have the proper thing, this is the only way to get some of these games in an official disked, boxed version, right? 
Definitely. Hmm. Curious. Um, it's a shame. I mean, some of these games have now come out on Arcade Archives, uh, Rygar, for instance, and, and Bombjack. Um, I think, now I don't know if Bombjack on this disc has the original music that they've had to remove from more recent versions mm. because it's the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, that might make it a... That might make it a sought after uh, yeah. disc to own, actually. That exactly. has the original music exactly. in there. Now, I did shy away from talking too much about multi format titles, but I also played this on the uh, the Xbox, Carl, so I will indulge you. Uh, you wanted to mention Black, the Codemasters' one and only attempt at a shoot 'em up, a first person shooter. Criterion. Yeah. Criterion, sorry. Yes. It was Criterion, Criterion not yeah. Codemasters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was Criterion. My brain is um, failing, isn't it? It's, um, I'm glad you're here too. <laughs> it, it's late and a long show. No, I'm old. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. Criterion. Um, <laughs> so the strange thing is, um, and you're right, it, it wasn't <laughs> an exclusive format game, but it's a game I've always associated I have. with I, Xbox. I agree. Me too. Yeah, me too. And it. it despite all the years that go by, I will forget, I'll think of Black again and I will think of it as an exclusive. Um, I think the PS2 version was notably inferior. Yeah. Um, But the the reason is that Black came towards the, you know, we already knew the Xbox was on its way out Mm. and it just, it, it bridged that gap between Xbox and Xbox 360 maybe more impressively than anything else. The visuals were um, great. Of that era. The, the problem I had with this one was the thing you've got with Apex. It's the, the bullet yeah. sponge. The bullet sponges were horrendous, like so much. Yes. It, 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 it definitely went down the uh, arcade combat a little bit too, uh, little bit too much, um, which was a shame. But from a technical mm. perspective, where where it always felt like Sony were looking for that Halo killer, mm. it felt like Microsoft had found their kill zone. Uh, in yeah, for like sure. That that kind of that graphical um, wow factor, mm. um, and that that I just always remember being blown. And to a degree, I still am when I look at Black. It looks like a three sixty game. Yeah. Um. Just, just a stunning technical performance from a game um on on the xbox and it does have some pretty games you know we mentioned obviously ninja guide and black for example but yeah black was just Mm. gorgeous yeah 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 i I, uh, interviewed uh, the development team uh, behind uh, black uh, before the game came out Mm. and i also very vividly remember thinking why are we why are we moving on to the xbox 360 and the ps3 when you know the current generation uh, of of consoles can still put out games like this well, certainly the, the PS2 yeah. was kind of taken to its limits. And obviously we saw that with later releases like Shadow of the Colossus. But there's no doubt yeah. that they could have got a lot more out of the Xbox if they carried on developing yeah, for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Especially the Xbox, since it also felt like it had a very short uh, lifespan Absolutely. as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yes, Black is another game with its, uh, with its gun porn reloads and all that stuff um, is a game that we've had requested many times to cover. But... Whenever I think of playing it, I just think of bullet sponges and, and I don't want to. But, you know, never say never. Um, we've already mentioned some of these, but uh, there, was, there, were, there was a clutch of really cool sports titles. All, you know, quite simish, as you'd expect. Um, we mentioned Amped. I loved Amped. 
uh, I thought Amped was so cool. Yeah. It was a lovely, it found a sweet spot between games like 1080 and Tony Hawk's for me. Um, SSX was great as well at the time. We we were really indulged with these kinds of games, but Amped had this real... And cool borders as well. Yeah, true. Um, Amped had this real uh, sense of open-worldiness about it, this, you know, this really um, great variety of, snow and um great feel loads of stuff to see and do i really enjoyed those games you mentioned moto gp these were developed uh where i live in brighton just down the road by climax before they became disneyfied and then defunct um i bought a couple of these as well it was when i was first with my still girlfriend now uh tanya who's into moto gp it's a sport i knew literally nothing about i know a little bit more now <laughs> after 16 years of watching her watching it um, but I, yeah, these were a bit too serious and simmy for me, but they were, they were undoubtedly high, high quality products. Uh, again, yeah. edge reviews, strong eight saying, you know, this is where it's at. I, uh, I bought into this. Yeah. Also favored a really interesting control method yes. of using the right stick for accelerator and brake, which, um, you know, uh, was, was, was really, really good. Um, and shifting your weight um, around with the other stick on on the seat yeah it became kind of a, a in a, it sounds strange to use it as a positive but floaty but in the right way that mm. that you're moving you you felt like your um your avatar and the bike were independent and and i thought it, it felt really really good to play and um a huge amount of risk reward yeah and now what you get so, sadly is these rather uh low rent slightly tacky valentino rossi license games um the yeah. motor gp license ended up with was it bandai namco for a while or somebody and yeah there's I think no so it was there was one on the vita um that mm. wasn't that great mm. that i did i did get all the trophies in and play but yeah and we've got ride but no matter what bike game i've played since nothing's actually lived up to motor gp2 so we sort of mentioned the Microsoft uh, helmed or, or badged uh, sports games, Lynx and Topspin. Uh, I remember Topspin, again, in Edge was reviewed. It was called the Pro Evo of tennis. Uh, I wouldn't quite go that far. It didn't yeah. quite hit those heights for me, <laughs> but, it was, but it was cool. Um, had some sort of, yeah, had, had some attempts at some kind of quite technical gameplay, some more complicated interpretations of, tennis than your normal you know virtual tennis which i adored as well i should say but yeah um and links i didn't actually play this one these were by were these um french games i think both topspin and links certainly topspin was was links american i'm not sure i'm not yeah not sure, sure but that, i mean links but... was once again it took a more serious aspect and look at um links you know, 2004 was the one yeah i i personally preferred tiger woods um, yeah, I played the, a lot of Tiger. Tiger Woods had with, you know, Tiger Vision and driving the ball, and like it, it became a power, and using the, the, you know, the the white and black buttons became an event to play that, um, rather than the seriousness of Links and Top Spin. I enjoyed, but I, like if I was going to play, it, I'd much rather just play Virtual Tennis in the arcade, and it, it they just never felt like they matched they matched what I wanted that I could get elsewhere. My my memories of Topspin is, you know, um button uh holes in my finger in my thumb. You know, where you yeah. press too hard down on a button, you know, a button imprint, yeah, on the thumb. 
not played right. that much top spin. So yeah, like I say all, all wrapped around their own kind of brand of XSN, which is you know trying to you know, put all their Xbox Live features and and wrap it around as a banner. Uh, but once again, it was a in the case of not having EA on board and having to come up with their own thing, and they come up with some really good um, stuff. But ultimately, yeah, it was just cut loose once they they got the. I guess for what they felt as the real deal uh, on board, and they didn't have to carry on with their own license. Mm. And the Top Spin series carried on for a few iterations onto the next generation. And actually, yes, I'm I'm completely yeah. That, those the Top Spin games were French, but actually the the Lynx game has an amazing um, sort of uh, heritage in that it was uh, Bruce Carver's studio, formerly Access, who made some pretty famous eight bit games, including Raid Over Moscow and Beachhead. But they also uh, made Leaderboard, and then the Lynx game on the PC that was absolutely outrageous at the time in terms of its graphics and stuff. So, um, but yeah, a lot of people swore by that over Tiger Woods, even though I was a Tiger Woods guy. And um, Top Konami... Spin came to the PS2 later as well, right? Did it? Okay. Pro Evolution Soccer's 4 and 5 came to Xbox with online play. Uh, that's yeah. how I got abused. Um, so I never felt these games <laughs> ran or played quite right on Xbox, but it was you could get online so that was the that was the selling point for me yeah yeah same um i did actually pick up five because five is one of the masterpieces in all of the pro evolution series um so i actually had that on the ps2 and on the xbox mm. and i actually preferred to play the ps2 version it like yeah. you said it just felt right to play that it was cool playing it online but i would rather play sort of um offline against my friend on the ps2 mm. And another little avenue that uh, that I suppose was valuable to the Xbox, to for the, especially for those who either had an aging PC that was actually not as powerful as their Xbox or didn't have a PC, access to a PC, was the fact that here you could play some games converted. They, they're not necessarily all exclusive, most of them are, but they're games that couldn't really be properly converted to the rival consoles at the time so mm. you could play versions of for instance the elder scrolls 3 morrowind uh, which you can still play on your xbox one x in super high res yeah. unbelievable yeah it's genuinely unbelievable that they got that game to run on a console because yeah. uh, that is massive yeah and you can still obviously you can still play it on pc and you can mod it but but it was there on xbox original and that was yeah that was a way of playing that Champ manager. Yeah, the first the first uh, version oh. of Morrowind has some uh, game breaking bugs in there. But they did a, a later sort of it a does, yeah. game game, game of, of the, the year edition, edition yeah. uh, which is if that you works. want to if you must play the game on console, that would be the version to get. I'm sure that is the version that you download if you download it today. I would hope, unlike Fable, where they only make the original version available rather than yeah. the Lost Chapters Ridiculous. version. Mysterious. Uh, Championship Manager uh, came with obviously it was you couldn't play it with as many kind of leagues active and obviously it had a different control no. system it wasn't mouse and keys it was controller but um, they did it for two seasons 0102 which is still one of my favourite games of all time Champ Manager season 0102 on the PC um, and yeah you yep. could play it on Xbox I bet you played this Carl I did I bought it I was I believe I actually bought it from a PC world um, and if I remember correctly, Wayne Rooney, Everton striker, is on the back oh. of four two or three. I want to say, mm -hmm. um, after his breakthrough season, yeah. he made the uh, the back cover of a game. Right. Yeah, it, it was great to play it on a console. Um, yeah, like 
it, it just it, for the novelty factor alone, I got it on Xbox. Did actually play quite a lot of it with a friend. Um, did joint seasons. Mm, yeah. Um, stay over on a night and just uh, let's play. Let's sign this. You know, go all out for this player. Build around a new. You know that kind. Of, you know all the stories, the kind of things that you do in Championship Manager. Yeah. Um, just a lot of fun. Uh, not as good as the PC versions, obviously, but um. Yeah, fantastic. Like Morrowind, great to have it on a console. Mm. And how did Counter-Strike fare on Xbox? Can anyone tell me? Yes. Um, so I played, as I've said, this a lot on PC. I had a friend who picked up an Xbox at the bottom of the street, but he didn't have a PC, so this was his chance to get into Counter-Strike. Um, it played a lot more arcade It was a little bit more chunky. It was based around... Um, I won't say it's Global Offensive. Uh, no, Global Offensive is the newer That's one. Later, it was yeah. the one before that. Mm. But the name, yeah, the, the name eludes me. Um, changed up the look of some of the characters and stuff. It never... If you were into the PC version, you wouldn't like the Xbox version. Mm. If the Xbox version was what you had available to you, then the Xbox version was fun. A game of this ilk that fared better on the uh, Xbox uh, was Unreal Tournament 2, I remember. Uh, at least in right. that it was uh, converted quite quite nicely, and that it uh, yeah it played very well with the controller. Hmm. While we're on first person stuff, there was a an I guess you could say an unlikely console port of Doom Three. You have to remember that Doom Three at the time was setting PCs on fire with its demands, yeah. and here was a console mm. version. It was passable, incredibly impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was very graphically very impressive. They they uh, sized down uh, the levels basically. They made it, the the environment smaller, but it looked very close to the uh, the, P, the PC version. Yeah, I suppose the equipment day yeah. comparison I, would be Wolfenstein Two and Doom on the Switch, kind of you know porting it downwards. Or or and prior to that, Quake, Quake Two on the N sixty four and PS one. Yeah, yeah, they did they did do an incredible job with Doom Three, and I remember. Um, this again being one of the, the sort of the last major hurrahs for that machine, um, and a, a lot of awe around the fact that they, you know, got it onto console. I mean, it is one of those legendary games that it shouldn't have been possible to make Doom Three like Doom Three on PC at that time, but they had John Carmack. Um, so to see a representation of that on Xbox, Xbox was probably as surprising as what they accomplished with the PC. To be fair. Um, yeah, it's very surprising that they got a representation of that on that Xbox hardware. It still boggles my mind a little bit. And another one, also first person, but uh, slightly different. And they did a slightly more of a sort of modification on it. Or maybe it was a similar sort of deal, but Far Cry came to the Xbox under the title Far Cry Instincts. I actually played that was a PS2 games as well. That was a PS2 game as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these aren't all exclusive, these ones. No. These are these right. are PC yeah. ports that actually functioned, whereas, uh, and yes, I believe the Xbox version of Far Cry was a lot more, you know, uh, as a lot. It's closer a very different game. It has a different story as well. Exactly, uh, and, does, and yeah. the mechanics are different. It's. Uh, I, I went to visit uh, the Ubisoft uh, studios in Montreal um, to uh, preview the game. Arx Fatalis. This is not my sort of area, but um, this was a, uh, you know, a proper. CRPG kind of thing, I understand. Not necessarily the kind of thing, again, you'd expect to come to a console, but it did come to Xbox. 
there was also, back to first person, a port of Half-Life 2. Uh, now, I think did, I think they also managed to do that on PS2, did they? If I remember rightly. No, only Half-Life, Half-Life yeah, 1 came to PS2. Yeah, yeah. okay. Oh, it was ha- sorry, yeah, sorry, it was Half-Life 1. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, absolute brain fart there. Same that. here. Um, Half-Life 2 on the Xbox. Uh, how did that perform? I never played it. I just stuck with my PC version. Um, my the the head editor uh of uh in my office he played uh Half Life Two on the PC religiously, and he was very critical. And he said that they did a very impressive job on uh, the, cool. the Xbox port. So nice. it sounds like a success. Yep. Yeah, yeah I did. He would still continue to play the the, the PC version, oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> but uh, he said it was very impressive what they pulled off. Not bad. I played uh, a fair amount of Serious Sam and Serious Sam 2 on the Xbox, and those those were, yeah, excellent uh, versions of what were, again, quite demanding PC games. Not necessarily the the sort of most, um, you know, photorealistic or uh, sort of high polygon graphics, but in terms of the amount of stuff on screen yeah. and these massive Absolute areas. Absolute mayhem. Absolute mayhem. Yeah, I thought they did a great job with those. I don't remember the frame rate struggling particularly or, or anything like that. Yeah. Operation Flashpoint, again, another really hardcore military kind of simulation, open worldish, uh, not my thing at all. But again, another game that came to Xbox that just probably wouldn't have worked on PS2 with lack of RAM yeah. and, and whatever else. A couple of Star Wars games, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy and Republic Commando. That's recently come to Games with Gold, in fact, hasn't it, Republic Commando? And in fact, both of these, haven't they? I think both of yeah. them have back-to-back, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty nice. And Thief Deadly Shadows. Was this the... This, Good one. The console... Was it the third game in the series? Uh, Thief, yes. Thief and then Thief oh. 2, The Metal Age, and then... Was it Thief? The yes. Me- oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the, the Thief titles are really strange. Um, I This was one that was actually really liked on consoles. Um, yeah. And people waited a long time for the next one. Yeah. Now, the, uh, Deadly Shadows was the third one, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Not yeah and then they, yes. they did they did just Thief again, didn't they? Which wasn't quite so well received. Hmm. Yeah. But yes, uh, again, a PC game that came to Xbox, but I don't think it did come to any other consoles at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Rob25X says... From the forum, I wasn't interested in the Xbox when it launched, but remember picking one up at some point with Halo Combat Evolved. Having heard so much about the game, I was expecting something truly amazing, and when I played it myself, I was most unimpressed. Halo was sluggish, boring, and a general mess of a game set in a hugely oversized and confusing-to-navigate environment. I admit the Warthog was great fun to play with, and the needle gun was fantastic, but it was not a great game in my mind. My memories of the original Xbox are quite hazy as I was still PS2 crazy and later GameCube at the time, but I remember the awesome console startup and adding my own music for games. I also remember the smaller controller being a huge improvement on the original. Trying to think of classic, memorable, exclusive games I played on the original Xbox is hard for me. Nothing really stands out like it does with every other system I can think of. All the Xbox... Sega exclusive titles I enjoyed playing on it, like Jet Set Radio and Shenmue 2, House of the Dead, I played on the Dreamcast before it. I did play many exclusive games on the system, but sadly there's none 
I have particularly fond memories of. A great-looking console, the awesome startup and dashboard, custom soundtracks and the start of Xbox Live are my memories of the original Xbox. Just sadly, no great exclusive game. Hmm. Well, that comes back to what we were saying earlier about if you don't like Halo, <laughs> maybe maybe you're not yeah. going to like this console so much. But I would dispute, uh, you may have played Jet Set Radio and House of the Dead on on Dreamcast, but you didn't play Jet Set Radio Future and House of the Dead 3 on your no, Dreamcast. No, they're, they're different games. Completely definitely. different games, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I did meant I did meant to I did mean to mention that startup as well. Obviously, it's come back in HD, uh, for and five point one format on the uh, on on the Xbox now. When you play the modern Xbox, when you play backwards compatible stuff, uh, mm. yeah, it did always feel like you were diving into the heart of this the the pulsing neon green heart of this this <laughs> yeah. very powerful machine. Does yours still do that, even though it's uh, soft modded, Mikhail? Uh no, sadly not. Unless oh. you go from the soft modded menu right. into the MS dashboard, but it only plays this. No, no, it does play the sound, and you see the animation. It's still there. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just need to boot up Ninja Gaiden or something on my Xbox One X to see it. I can. I, yeah, I, I do can still have my original Xbox, and I do get it out. Um, and mess yeah, around yeah. with it. Yeah, and it. Yeah, it's it still all works and fine, and yeah. Mm. It's a, that was a Better cool check dashboard. that motherboard, though. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Half these consoles do that. Yeah. Like my NES with its blinking red, uh, blinking light. Um, but no, it, I love that. Yeah, that dashboard is... Like, it was a real kind of like, wow, pulls you in. But then it had that kind of odd um, noise in the background on the dashboard. It was kind of like being oh, inside of a it. system. Yeah, it's just like a... I can't remember. It's like a, a high-pitched kind of electronica noise in the background so if you can find it yeah you'd, it you'd hear it you'd you'd know in the moment you go in there um yeah i'm sure cool dash- yeah. but the dashboards were far too you know were basic times and it just took you in and launched games it was all very <laughs> matrixy wasn't it because was. we were just a couple of years after the matrix uh that was cool so yeah i wanted to use rob's uh forum post there just to segue into uh coming coming back to the idea that the uh the Xbox, the original Xbox was kind of the natural successor to the Dreamcast. And in fact, Sega kind of embraced it more than they embraced the other consoles. Uh, they did they did release some of their games on uh, on PS2 and GameCube, but uh, Crazy Taxi 3 High Roller was an Xbox exclusive, I think, as was Gun Valkyrie, as was Jet Set Radio Future, mm-hmm. as was OutRun 2, although OutRun 2006 came to PS2. Panzer Dragoon Auto was an Xbox exclusive. Sega GT 2002, and there was an online version of that. Shenmue 2 only came to Xbox after Dreamcast uh, for many, many, many years. Spike Out, you mentioned, Mikhail. Uh, and, uh, and in the US, uh, Shenmue 2 was uh, was only available on the original Xbox because they never got the, uh, That's the right. version that we got in Poundland. Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah, for, the, for the Dreamcast. Spike Out, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you wanted to ask about that, right? Yeah, go for it. Spike out Battle Street. Yeah, I've got a lot of affinity for this game. I, I really love the arcade version, or the arcade version was the the predecessor to Spike out. Actually, Spike out Battle Street is a full fledged uh, sequel yeah. uh, with the uh, with the story to the to the original game. And what was uh, special about the um, the arcade version was that it was a polygonal beat 'em up uh, where every player all four players uh, would have their own separate screen so you could just go and run off everywhere and the environments were far- fairly large you can do the same with uh, battle street on the original xbox if you uh, link your systems together um 
but even if i mean that's a, a fairly unlikely scenario in uh, in this in this day and time but uh, it even supports uh, split screen as well so you mm. can just play with four players players on a on a split screen and it's uh it's a uh, fairly simple 3D brawler, uh, but uh, fans would go, uh, Sega fans will probably get something out of it because uh, the uh, director, uh, Nagoshi, I think, uh, went on to sort of base the combat system in the Yakuza games uh, on it as well. Ah, ah yeah. awesome. Okay. Uh, the House of the Dead 3 did later come to Wii and possibly something else. Has it been HDified on, on something more recently? I know PSN got House of the Dead 4. I, I'd imagine it would be a PS, a PS Move game as well, yeah. Yes, yeah. PlayStation Move game, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it was a big coin-op back in the day, but at the time this was yeah all, uh, exclusive on console. And the Xbox also got, and we've recently had a kind of uh, uh, a reboot, but uh, the third Toe Jam and Earl game was an Xbox exclusive. I yeah. don't think it was that well regarded, but there it was nonetheless. Yeah. And can I briefly talk about Jet Set Radio Future? Of course. That uh, uh, that's a game that has eluded me uh, up until today. Oh. Uh, today I just so uh, I'm, I'm on lookout for it all the time because it's not very uh, very common, oddly mm. enough, even though nice it was a it. launch title. Mm. Uh, and I, today I walked into a retro game store in the center of Amsterdam, and there it was. Oh, nice. And I had to get it. It fixes yeah. a few issues with the original, I would suggest. Yeah. 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 It's it's uh there's there's some some uh yeah some some pluses and some minuses, uh, mm. but uh, still an essential game for me to to get on my uh, yeah no my doubt Xbox. it certainly runs a lot smoother than the original and has less popping as well among yeah. other things and mm. uh, just uh, a lot of these sega exclusives were actually a very big reason for me where i always wanted to to get an original xbox oh yeah outrun 2 was a it, it wasn't only a day day one for me it was a day minus two for me because i deliberately went into a shop in town where i thought they wouldn't have a clue about game release dates and said uh, have you got a game called outrun two <laughs> and the the young lady said i'll just go and look out the back <laughs> I knew they'd already have them in there, and uh, she sold it me two days early, and I felt so naughty, but so cool. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. the um, the link between the yeah. two companies Peter Moore though? Didn't he work on the you know, Sega's um, at least you know uh, marketing team, and then before he came in over to Xbox? Oh Quite yeah, possibly. Dream. I think yeah, he was the link between like the Dreamcast. Yeah. No, and, that's true. You're right. And yeah. the Xbox. Mm. Absolutely right. So yeah, he 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 was already within the inside of uh, of Sega, so it just made sense that he could you know make the deals that needed to be done. And actually, it was a a nice drip free feed of quality arcade content um, onto you know a, a system that needed titles you know and needed them fast. It couldn't just sit there and wait. So uh, yeah, I think he was the the main uh, motivator of getting that stuff across. And lest we forget, Xbox Live Arcade didn't start on the 360, although I think for many people it did because it was just a much bigger selling console. And certainly some of the games, uh, some of the arcade classics like Gauntlet and Ms. Pac-Man pretty much just got re-released as they were. Smash TV just got, yeah, available were available to download again on Xbox 360. I assume you didn't uh, get to download them for free if you'd bought them already either. I don't think that was in place back then. But in some cases, games like uh, Mutant Storm and um, uh, what's the billiards one? Pocket, uh, Bankshot Billiards. Uh, games like that got sequeled b 
before uh, before many people had even played the first one um, and became mm. yeah like launch launch titles as it were or near launch titles for XBLA. Uh, did I didn't download any of these when I had my Xbox original? Um, I'm not sure why. It, maybe it all felt like a new scary world that I wasn't ready to be a part of. I don't know. Um, did anyone start their XBLA collection on original Xbox? A lot of these games I know, and I'm, I'm but I don't necessarily because of my, uh, like Mikhail, I kind of soft modded my Xbox in the end, um, and I've certainly yeah. I've certainly had access to all these titles that are here. But whether I brought them, I don't remember putting my credit card details into to uh, yeah put down the money and buy them straight off. But you know, I played a lot of Bank Shop Billiards for sure. <laughs> mm. Whether that was on the original platform, I'm not sure. And feeding frenzy, okay. and yeah, yeah, but there is yes, I've played most of these games. Whether it was at that time, I don't know. But yeah, I, mm. the burgeoning, it was you know the burgeoning XBLA, um, and we we who knew where it was going to end up. As soon as I got my 360, I was all over this stuff. Of, like, of course, yeah. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these titles were actually uh, moved to. Uh, the uh, 360 version of XBLA uh, fa- fairly quickly, right? Yeah. Like exactly. Zuma was there day one. Robotron was there day one. Yeah, yeah. but as I say, in many yeah. cases, like Zuma was a was an enhanced sequel rather than the exact same game kind of thing, or mm, yeah, like a right. deluxe version. So. Um, honorable mentions. Now these games are and have been or were available on other systems as well, but um, I wanted to mention Street Fighter Three Third Strike just because this was the first time outside of uh you know playing on a japanese dreamcast on dial-up that you could actually hope to potentially play a proper fighting game against people from all around the world that i can think of uh when i say proper i mean like a vintage 2d game Uh, this came as part of a double pack on xbox with the street hyper street fighter 2 the anniversary game um and it was very exciting mikhil any thoughts on this uh, not really, but I think uh, Capcom versus SNK two had a similar deal as well. It's also one of the earlier yeah online fighting games. Yeah, not sure which one was first. Um, Burnout yeah. two point of impact. We did a show on that game. Um, but the Xbox got a enhanced later release with quite a few graphical upgrades and the the my favorite thing the extra fifteen crash junctions. My favorite crash mode got doubled up in size for the Xbox, and that's the version Mm. I've still got of that game. I love it. Nice. Uh, The emulation on 360 is a little sketchy. That's the only only sadness. Um, Fantasy Star Online, so this did as well. It certainly came to GameCube. I'm not sure it came to PS2 because of online wasn't kind of a thing. Hang on. Did it come to GameCube? There was a network. It it, it did come to uh, GameCube. There was a network uh, adapter. There wasn't. was even a, a weird uh, uh, keyboard controller. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, massive, yeah. long, wide keyboard thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, this was this was a game worth mentioning just because Fancy Star Online was a, a huge deal on the Dreamcast for me in terms of opening my eyes up to online gaming. And the reason I never got this on Xbox or wherever was because um, it had a subscription, <laughs> and I was like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> it all seems yeah. so." expensive and you got to buy it and then pay a subscription um but yeah i'm sure it had a a hardcore following and people are still clamoring for the latest versions to come out over here which they haven't we always like to just uh talk a little bit talk turkey as it were um 
I couldn't actually think of too many exclusive turkeys. Um, one that came to mind was Capcom's Dino Crisis 3, which I haven't played, but by reputation was a stain on a hitherto well-thought-of dinosaur series. Um, of course, the problem with turkeys is that if people saw reviews, they probably haven't played them. But do let me know if you have. And the other one I remember was for all those great Star Wars games that Xbox had that we've already mentioned. It also had an exclusive Star Wars game called Star Wars Obi-Wan, which always looked utterly mediocre. I'm sad to say I played and completed that game. Yeah, I saw it on the shelf of a friend uh, very recently and I, I never even knew that game existed. Oh, really? It's okay. not good. It's really not good. I the, the reason I played through and completed it is because it was really hyped. It, it was one of the classic examples. It was, well, wasn't it? It yeah. was super hyped because obviously <laughs> Star Wars was a massive deal. And it's just, was it set? I think it's set just before episode one. In episode my memory. one. Uh, to be correct. But um, yeah, horrendous <laughs> frame rate issues. And it was more of a case of, you know, Star Wars games were just good fun back then. Um, but it was not a good game. It was, yeah. Um, style over substance, for sure. He kind of put it in the same level as the, the, the Matrix game that came out roughly around the same time as well. Oh, yeah. Which was absolutely Matrix. style over <laughs> substance, mm. which I played mm. and completed. So, yeah. Mm. But didn't play any other. Through. You folks got any other kind of horrible turkeys that you bought? Doesn't necessarily have to be an exclusive. Better if it is. But otherwise, did you, did you ever pay pay money for a game on original Xbox and just like immediate horror and regret the closest i maybe get to would be the rocky tie oh, but um, okay it, it was rage it wasn't awful like it was it was okay mm. but that feels like the worst one that money got spent on okay that was on all three formats as i recall um so you probably got yeah. the best version of the worst of <laughs> the worst game you played so <laughs> if that's any consolation <laughs> the original hunter the reckoning is a game that uh Severely oh. disappointed me. The, the sequel, Redeemer, is uh, is kind of fun, but the original is is very dull. I, I sat down with a group of friends to play it, four player, like Gauntlet style. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, just incredibly repetitive, uh, with not much uh, in the way of uh, of tactics and and long downtime, mm. where you just keep scouring the level for that one for that one point uh, where you need to continue you have no idea what it is you you've really sold it to which me. is even le- that, that's an, a rare example of where something is even less fun with multiple players because <laughs> you know everybody starts wow. getting bored out of their mind mm, feel free to <laughs> not put that on the big list of games for us to cover yeah yeah <laughs> nup raptor says with the original xbox i'd already bought the other major console of that generation engage just kidding when I picked up the Xbox, it was when I finally caved into the lure of being able to play the superb and epic experience of Halo. I guess that means that the Xbox didn't feel like it had much of a personality in itself beyond being a purchase that I felt forced to make in order to play a single, specific, although admittedly sublime, video game. The machine itself seemed big, blocky and ugly, a step back maybe from the more sophisticated seeming PS2 or the cute and quirky GameCube. Games seem to have been coming, becoming more mature and inclusive over previous years, and the Xbox in some ways seemed to embody a degree of regression and is associated in my mind with the image of an angry teenage gamer swearing at noobs through a, head, through a headset. Still, there were some great games, not just Halo, but the excellent and demanding Ninja Gaiden and Bioware games like Jade Empire and Knights of the Old Republic. The machine was discontinued, as we said earlier. In Japan, it only lasted to June 2006. 
It was discontinued in March 2007 in the EU, which actually still feels late compared to it felt like it was basically killed in 2005, just before the 360 came out. But it was actually not discontinued in North America until March 2009, only 10 years ago. Amazing. But the machine has something of an afterlife, to say the least. So let's talk about soft modding and the homebrew scene, the piracy scene, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> the Baboon Baron, similar to... This isn't you, is it, Mikhail? Uh, on no, the it's not me. <laughs> Wonderful <laughs> name, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my history with the OG Xbox started in 2015. Yeah, same year. Uh, exactly. At the time of its release, I wrote the big box off immediately. My brother had a GameCube. I was going to get a PS2. We were both at university and money was tight. It was unthinkable that we would have got another console, so the Xbox was roundly ignored. This carried on into the next two generations as I proudly stayed brand loyal to Sony. However, in the year of our Lord 2015, in a small charity shop, I stumbled over the ancient behemoth. For the pittance of £20, I purchased the machine, a pile of controllers, and that halo that people kept talking about, which was fun for a few hours, but the aged visuals soon turned me off. Heartbroken over my wasted £20, I googled cool things to do with an Xbox, and my eyes lit up. With merely a few tools and a morally bankrupt heart, I could mod the old gal into the ultimate retro console. A joyful week followed as I learned how to soft mod, which led to hard mod, which led to emulators and ROMs galore. From that moment on, the Xbox was my console of choice, as I merrily replayed classics and found lost gems of the arcade era. Drunken nights in with friends were amplified by rounds of Simpsons Arcade, Pigskin or Frogger. But as well as the actual games, I had a newfound respect for our hobby, as now I had a complete history of video gaming available to play. Many of the games were old and irritating, but you could see the trajectory gaming had taken, the misfires as well as the hidden gems, the trendsetters and the revolutionaries. A joy to behold, as well as a cultural love song to the 80s, 90s and noughties. The true history of gaming could now be played rather than watched, all at the low, low price, avoiding my warranty and possible litigation. <laughs> That's what the Xbox means to me. It is my emulator and my museum. And as a result, the big, ugly box sits proudly under my TV, where it will remain indefinitely. Does that sing to you, folks? Um, I I had my uh, console modded because uh, it's it's... Uh, the soft modding requires a very specific uh, set of steps. Uh, you even need uh, it involves a copy of the original Splinter Cell as a backdoor, um, oh. and you need also need a certain USB stick to transfer files from your uh, your PC or laptop to the Xbox. That has to be a certain brand and uh, type as well. Um, so I didn't want to. I I went through all the tutorials and the steps, but I didn't. It seemed like such a pain, and I knew somebody who could do it for just a couple of euros. So um, yeah, I, I had it done. And then afterwards, I uh, tried to try out various builds, and because um, all I was really interested in, because uh, I like to collect games anyway, all I was really interested in is try to get those uh, sort of a curated selection of arcade games that didn't require me to actually get install a new hard disk as well uh, to 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 fit everything on there so just a curated selection of arcade games that weren't available in any other other format uh, on there and i in the end i settled on a solution called coin ops 
premium, which has a nice attacky, but still nice and uh, uh, interesting uh, presentation. And uh, has it, it uh, includes several emulator cores, uh, uh, among which MAME and Final Burn Alpha. And it basically runs on a like best best case scenario or what what uh, what emulator runs the a particular game the best in which version. Uh, so it's it's all fair, fairly painless. I just did a lot of uh, manual modding on my PC uh, of all the files that came with the, the complete dump, uh, just so that I would only have the games on there that I wanted, and I sorted everything out and all the the, the promo videos and everything. To uh, and surprisingly, didn't break the whole uh, the whole uh, set of files. Uh, so that yeah, that sits on my uh, original Xbox now and. Uh, so I, I can have it set up to uh, connect it to the the CRT TV. All I need now is uh, a nice pair of uh, arcade sticks to uh, to make the whole deal complete. Any issues? Any downsides? Um, the da only downside is that the screen output is it sort of auto upscales uh, the re screen resolution. So you don't it, it all looks uh, the the games do look a little bit fuzzy, not what I'm used to nowadays from uh, Saturn arcade ports that are you know, yeah. one to one. Uh, in resolution or so. or cash release or paid for releases that give you a choice of pixel or filter exactly options. yeah right. yeah so mm -hmm. so the screen is, that it's it's displayed on the, my lovely crt screen is nice but it doesn't look as uh upscaled it doesn't look as good as uh yeah games for, that run on native native resolution uh and uh, non-interlaced gotcha tony mine's a probably a bit more simpler and it was done you know closer to the time of moving on to the 360 and kind of leaving leaving that generation behind me um i ended up with a modded xbox which i think i brought off ebay um and it, it basically came with every xbox game installed previously <laughs> just straight onto <laughs> it um and it became at, at that point it was a way of kind of having the archive of the the entirety of the xbox catalog there on one machine um, for the price of I don't know whatever it was, but it, it seemed reasonable to do so. And like all these things, it's funny once you have access to everything, how unimpealing the whole thing seems to happen at that point. Because <laughs> like, there's a little yeah. bit of um, I don't know what it's when you sort out games and and you know you put that little bit of effort in there. It's not just pressing the button. Like I think I yeah I much prefer that. Yeah, but the the machine is you feel you feel less invested when it's just a whole yeah, list of games yeah. that you can just uh, dip in and out of. Yeah, but as as a machine to to have as an archive, it it, it obviously yeah it it works really really well and it feels a bit better than just having it sat there on a PC screen. Um, it feels a bit more legitimate, which is obviously ridiculous in in that regards. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, a lot of people yeah. it, it's gone on and it, and it's it's still funny now seeing it used as a machine. To, to have as an archive because there are so many other you know more simpler options to um or devices to to do that on but people still at, yeah talk funnily about having the xbox the original xbox and and having a way to actually have a a proper console um yeah underneath the tv um obviously you know people have been doing this now with pretty much everything but yeah back then it was a, a big deal and a real issue obviously for someone like microsoft that that could even happen on their platforms but you know they weren't the only one and yeah security now has completely changed but yeah it felt quite dirty i think doing it but um you know it was Mikhail it likes was to feel dirty yeah but but it's different i think you know i would look i would i don't have that machine anymore i, I resold it on and have just a, a you know a normal yeah. xbox where i can you know, just put okay. normal games in 
but I I now look back on that and feel regret that I got rid of it because it would have actually been nice to have that archived um, entire yeah. archive of the the mm-hmm. Xbox. Yeah, for me, I don't feel feel dirty because the only alternative to playing these games otherwise would start be to start collecting PCBs, you know. Yeah. And so, but I I very consciously didn't install games that I could get in any, any other format. Yeah, you're yeah. talking about slightly different things, right. aren't you? Tony's talking yeah, exactly. more about the Xbox games, and you're talking more about playing MAME, effectively, or or what it, whichever yeah. arcade emulator it is. Yeah, exactly. I had, yeah. A, I had a friend at university who um, he swore by uh, XBMC on his, and that was because of his location. That's how he watched a lot of stuff over the network, uh-huh. um, and that that was fantastic. That kind of opened my eyes because I never actually did it to my own Xbox. No. Um, I'd sold it by that yes. point um, in the same way that I did my Dreamcast. I had to get through uh, his university costs and stuff, and it mm. still pains me to this point. I always planned on buying another Xbox, and then one time I turned up at a gaming land in Birmingham, in Brown Hills, Birmingham. Um, it was a land that I would go to quite often. Um, and I was sat sort of opposite a guy I didn't know. I'd never spoke to him before. I'd never spoke to him at previous events. And we just started like daft talking about stuff. And we met, we got onto consoles and he said, oh, he said, do you want an Xbox? And I was like, what? He was like, do you want, do you want an Xbox? He said, I've got one in my boot. Hmm. Um, and my wife will literally kill me if I come home with it again. She keeps telling me to get rid of it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I thought it was like a trick question. Yeah. So he's like, and he, so and he would cluck you over the head with he it. A, yeah, well, we go to the back <laughs> of his boot, and he just has a boxed Xbox. He goes, oh, "It's all modded. You've got like, you've got meme and everything on there. Do you want it?" I was like, "Yeah." This is almost exactly how <laughs> so, Ted Bundy used uh, to get his victims. Well, yeah, and he got he got one look at me though, and he thought, "Do you know what? I'll actually just, just give, him, give the him the Xbox, console." Yeah. Um, yeah, it's easier. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I all this time later, I did actually end up with an Xbox uh, gifted to me by a kind stranger Lovely. at a gaming land. Yeah, and you got all the emulators on there. Fantastic. It's the f- yeah, feel good story came, of came the with generation. All the emulators already on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. So yeah, they live on in many serious gamers' homes. Yes, uh, and that's nice. And yeah, you can do various things with them. Uh, head over to YouTube, a popular internet resource such things and uh, and look up how much fun you can have with a with an old xbox just remember to remove the or defuse that ticking time bomb if you have to uh, mm. our final piece of forum correspondence is from alex alex 79 says i didn't own an xbox until a good few years into its production just as the 360 was gearing up for release i picked up a pre-hacked machine on ebay purely by chance really When it arrived, it had got some custom firmware installed on it, meaning I could use it for emulators and such. The guy also sent me a CD spindle full of dubious-looking CDRs labelled with magic marker. Trouble is, as always happens, when you venture into the world of copied games, I never gave any of them any time at all. They were worthless. The only games I actually finished on the console were the ones I bought myself, namely Halo, Halo 2 and the brilliant Hard as Nails Black. Always disappointed they never made any more of those. I eventually bought one of the smaller second-gen control pads for the machine, but those first few weeks were spent using that giant beast of a pad. It felt so awesome and weighty. It just felt like the Tonka toys of game pads. Indestructible. 
I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for the console coming to it so late and not really spending that much time with it, but I recognise how important it was for gaming. It really felt like the most mature option available at the time when matched against Sony and Nintendo. Very few games before or since have managed to capture that pure, unbridled joy of tearing up and down a beach in a warthog. I still have it somewhere stashed in an ex-girlfriend's loft. I really ought to try to rescue it one day. Maybe you should. So to summarise, the original Xbox. Um, it's an odd one for me because normally I keep things uh, if there's a reason to keep them, basically. I'm not a, a sort of obsessive hardware collector or even physical copies collector. But if there's a game that I can't play any other way, I will keep the game and the way to play it. So, for instance, I now have a Dreamcast, which literally has, I've got about two or three games for it, which are unavailable to play anywhere else in any other way uh, other than, you know, just complete hooky emulation. The Xbox, I felt at the time, I think once Halo came out on the 360 and uh, various other games had got sequels like Dead or Alive, I didn't feel the need really to hold on to the console for Dead or, Dead or Alive 3 when I could play 4 or 5 or whatever. Um, and you know other such examples of that kind of thing happening. But now I'm now we've gone down that list of games. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe they weren't my favourite games of all time, but there were actually a little collection of games that I probably should have kept my Xbox for. I'm thinking right now mainly of those Otogi games. Um, mm. those those are the ones that really stand out to me because I guess maybe I was just when I sold my Xbox, I was trying to raise some cash, make some space, because it does take up a lot of space. <laughs> and yeah. um, I guess I was hoping that some of those curios would find their way back into, yeah, onto downloadable services or, or whatever else. So I may end up owning an Xbox again someday uh, in some form or other, or I may not. Um, and I don't, as I say, I never had a huge amount of like warm, like lovey-dovey feelings for that Xbox, but I do have some enormous, enormously fond memories of playing the original Halo and Halo 2 multiplayer, both of them. Um, and so those will never be gone. And yeah, in terms of the industry, there's no doubt that the Xbox gave us a load of innovations that would be absolutely integral to everything that came next. So I'm grateful to it for that as well. Mikhail, slightly different uh, history for you, but uh, would you recommend that people either picked one up for the for the official library or for the nefarious purposes that you use it for. <laughs> Ooh, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, I I don't know. It's I never really see myself as some sort of uh, golden standard for the average gamer. Uh, well, I, you are. Always don't let anyone tell you <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, um, many many times, even within gaming, my interest seems so so niche. For example, yeah. Halo was never something that attracted me to the original Xbox, but rather the more, and this reveals my, uh, my, my bias maybe for the ethos of Japanese games, maybe because that's what I really grew up with, uh, you know, in the arcades and then uh, the, on, the, on the NES. Um, and it's the, 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 the Japanese exclusives uh, that always really 
kept me interested. You know, the Ninja Gaidens, uh, the Dead or Alive games, the Sega games, uh, even games like Otogi, uh, that always had me sort of like, ah, oh, I really kind of want one of these, you know. Um, and this is quite funny because to a lot of people, Xbox is synonymous with Halo, uh, later on the 360, Gears of War, and what you what you guys mentioned already the whole the whole dude bro uh, experience, uh, and even with the 360, that's never what these systems meant to me. Uh, the 360 has a crazy library library of uh, exclusive 2D shooters by the likes of Cave Treasure and GRF, for example. You know, and um, I kind of love these machines for for, for that. Um, if you look at the, the generation that the original Xbox came out in, uh, I'm I'm full and well platform agnostic now uh the ps2 has a amazing library that you just you know you can can't deny it uh, it's probably the the machine of that series i now have the largest library of games for mm. um but i have way more affinity with uh the original xbox and with the gamecube because the games that the, the exclusives that both these systems did put out sort of um uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, impre- impressed me way more than anything that ever came out on the PS2, even though that has its fair share of absolutely amazing games. And so I have warmer feelings for these two systems, even though they were, yeah, they, they were uh, absolutely uh, squashed as far as uh, sales go uh, by the PS2. But yeah, I have just way more warmer feelings for the original Xbox and the GameCube than I do for the PS2. And there's still... I think for me that's absolutely untrue that there the uh, original Xbox doesn't have any exclusive games aside aside for for Halo. I think it has a lot. Maybe not. It's not not the hugest library, but there's more than enough there that justifies having one below uh, one of my big boob tubes in uh, in my uh, geek den in my uh, in my home office. And um, yeah, and then there's of course the fact that uh, I can run uh, a library of uh, arcade games that uh, haven't come out yet on uh, downloadable services or anything uh, on there. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. It's it's a system I still keep switching on and I still keep returning to. Happy gamer bunny. Yes, Carl. Yeah, kind of following on from what Michael said there um, regarding the console being more than just a Halo machine. and It's always going to be synonymous with Halo, and I feel like maybe a lot of its great attributes, even outside of the, the modding and XBMC and, and, and MAME emulation, uh, often seem dismissed out of hand or not talked about or... Um, sort of as an underperforming system, maybe because it was in the shadow of the 360, which was incredibly successful. But it's such a good machine. There are some really good games. It doesn't even feel like there's a huge catalogue, but we've mentioned that there are over a thousand games on that system. That that is a huge library of titles, and some of them are stellar. Like Halo is obviously there, Halo 2 is there, but we can play them elsewhere, and if you've got the ability to, um, then obviously the Master Chief Collection on the Xbox One is the best version of those to play, particularly on the uh, Xbox One X. But then you have games like Project Gotham Racing 2, which is still a stellar racing game, Rally Sport Challenge 2, uh, very much the same reason, and 
there's the the titles that you can dip in and out of it still has you know it has third strike in there which you know is obviously a very popular uh, game with the team you've got um a large amount of sort of obviously they're not new ips now but it was a bold era of new ips and i think that's what i always appreciated about that console um i could i could go in there and play something that i hadn't played before it might be influenced by others but it was the first of so many um and we've seen iterations since we've seen um some of those franchises maybe didn't continue or fell away over time and just being able to actually go back and uh and see like this bold new time where not everything had to be an established franchise and go back and, and play them. And some of them are really good. Some of them obviously a little bit less so, but you know what? It, it's novel to go back and be able to play something like Buffy, the vampire slayer. Um, you know, you, you've got like Jade empire that we mentioned earlier. And uh, I, I, I long for times where games are new IPs or original IPs. And I, I feel like, a, a lot of brave moves were made by Microsoft with the Xbox, and for the things that we've had since, I feel like it it it's paid off. And for anyone a little bit on the fence, the the fact that you can actually turn it into a main box and stuff, it's kind of the icing on the cake. It is a a machine that's very fun to me. And if I hadn't been gifted one, um, years after being so, uh, after selling mine, I would have absolutely picked one up since. Um. I actually I, I love the Xbox um and it, it is the machine that will forever have always brought multiplayer gaming to consoles for me um yeah I've got a lot of time for that machine awesome let's conclude with Tony yeah for me I'm gonna take a slightly different tact um you know I, I we've talked about the games and people know what games are on there and you make your own choice it's a weird timing gaming for me as it's kind of this you know more established transition into you know 3D gaming and you know, I think if you look back now and said, okay, which which platform had the best games? You know, I, I think there were so many games on the PlayStation 2, it would probably just out-muscle out the others because <laughs> it had so many. Um, but the, the games that, you know, the Xbox did have, I think, were very strong. It had some of my all-time favourites, Halo being one of those, and I still think it's amazing. But for me... I don't think it's a particularly sexy machine to you know to you must own now because I think it was a machine full of ideas, and a machine full of ideas that would go on and flourish um, on other more powerful devices. You know, they took a lot lot of the original Xbox ideas and you know perfected them on the 360. Um, and I think it's an interesting time to see Microsoft come into a market. That was, you know, just seemed to be dominated by by Sony, and it was a brave move, and and many people within inside the company thought it was a foolish move, and uh, it was it was fought all along the way, even in the three sixty area. There's a lot of people that just felt that, um, you know, they they had no place being there, both internally in Microsoft and externally in in the wider domain. Um, but I think the games spoke for themselves, and it it's been a slow kind of. Miranda in progress to to you know to see really where Microsoft have ended up now and instill their doubters in, internally and externally. Um, for Microsoft, I think mean, it was important and still is now to to have a place inside people's living rooms and not as on you know on a on a desk or or in an office, which is which I think they wanted to get out pigeonholed. And I think that was, that was important from a, a console standpoint was to get inside people's houses that wasn't just you know, we're Microsoft, we're Office. And I think along along that way, they made some really sensible decisions that would change the industry forever. Um, p- 
personally, yeah, I mean, I I like my Xbox. I like it a lot. You know, I would choose other platforms to probably collect uh, over the Xbox, which sounds weird, but I, you know, I, I think, yeah, other elements of it was just perfected elsewhere. But for me, you know, it brought me one of my all-time favorite games in Halo Combat Evolved, um, which is probably better else, you know, better played on the Master Chief Collection than it is on the original console, although, you know, it's fun to go back and, and look at it in that kind of you know, lower resolution. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, God bless the Xbox for bringing a hell of a lot of uh, ideas to the market. Thank you so much, folks. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Carl, McKeel and Tony and Editor Jay, as well as our correspondents and to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and appreciate the effort and time and love and sweat and blood and tears into everything that we do, uh, you can subscribe, rate, review all of our podcasts but best of all patreon.com slash rinse you can support us you get various bonuses and in fact if you sign up now if you're listening to this in the summer it means there's already another one another console special awaiting isn't that nice worth doing next time in three months we haven't decided yet but we'll be covering another console platform in similar detail and depth until then we'll leave you with Something from the Xbox. I don't know what. Goodbye. In the beginning, nature gave us a fantastic gift, music. We played and played, life was a melody. Then one day, a voice told us, get a job. So we sucked and sucked and sucked. Fathers, mothers, children, we all sucked. And we lost our gift. We became bad musicians. So bad. Humans, you have a natural gift for playing. Don't lose it. Work less, play more.